Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we just watched season two, episode five, titled The Ghost of Harrenhal. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? Uh, I liked it. <laughs> that sounds absolutely uh, positive. Well, yeah. I mean, there's nothing bad about it, but there's also not a lot of like, oh my God. Like, there's a lot of like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of points that I liked. Uh, like, like it gives me pleasure to see the pyromancer played by Roy Dotrice, who I oh, listened. Oh, that old Roy? That's old Roy. Okay. He's, if, if you don't know, he is the voice narrator for all of the books, all yeah. the audio versions of the books. And he's doing one of his uh, doing one of his little, little, little accents for the pyromancer. And it's, it's cute. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, this man is 94 years old, and uh, another tragedy of Martin not getting the books out is <laughs> he probably is not going to get wow. to read them all. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, a spry, like, 86 in this scene, <laughs> oh, and uh, you, you can, you know, uh, you, you can uh, you can, you can kind of tell. Huh. Um, and there's a lot of other cool things in it, but, you know, it was uh, this is the classic connecting episode. It's It's moving the plot. I mean the 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 inter interactions of Tywin and Arya were delights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacken is a badass, uh, but it's 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 uh, it's to connect uh, the 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 arcs pl- plots from one to the next. It's not like, yeah. spectacular. No, we're mid season here. Um, in mean, a lot can, of ways, you can see the set pieces building up though. Oh, what for is, sure. What do you think? Uh, in a lot of ways, this is like an inverse of the typical Game of Thrones episode for me because usually they'll start off, you know, kind of building on on a theme and and moving stuff forward. And then by the end of the episode, they've got this big, cool moment to kind of send you out with. Here, it's sort of the other way around. They start with this moment where Renly is killed, yeah. which is a huge development. I mean, one king down, however many to go, four, a mm. hundred, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then they kind of end the episode, not with a whimper, but with a less, um, I guess, surprising and interesting scene. In Arya and Jacken, but on the other hand, like I feel like, I mean, even it's hard for me because this season is the season where I started reading the books. So I had read the entire second book before I saw the second season. But hmm. in in hindsight, I do believe my original co-host, uh, who was a, a non-book reader, saw the whole Rinley thing coming. Like, why okay. would you row mm-hmm. to this place where Rinley is camped and birth this yeah. shadow, is shadowy monster? I mean, is it going to take on his whole army? Is it going to is it going to do stock <laughs> stock market manipulation? Uh huh. Is it going to weave a complex round of demolition and all the connecting bridges of the realm so he can't get to no? I, I mean, when you think about assassins, so, right? They typically work in the shadows. This is literally yeah. a shadow coming yeah. to assassinate the king. So yeah, it's not that veiled. He's the he's the one guy that can out out Bane Bane. Oh, you were born <laughs> in the darkness. Mold- I, am. I am the dark. Yeah, yeah. He could. I yeah. am the shadows in the dark. Uh. It, so it's like, yeah, you're right. It did open with that kind, of, and it was. I I I still think that the shadow monster uh, realization is very cool. It is, yeah, because it's 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 tough, but they really do model it on Stephen Delane, uh, the guy who plays Stannis. But it's you almost have to freeze frame it, and it's just a very yeah. a very it's, it's a very just a few frames where it it as he's stabbing Rinley as his face kind of a, 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 it takes a shape and the eyes I think is what 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 gives mm-hmm. it away where you can see it's like oh yeah that's Stannis the son, um but it, it it looks super cool when it comes creeping in on the wind and very Angel of Death 
Yeah, uh, there's not a lot you can do about the, yeah. the shadow assassin. Yeah, and not much you can do about the jack and assassin. Yeah, apparently. he will twist your lid and throw you off a parapet and mm-hmm. be be several windows away eating an apple <laughs> by the time anyone anyone's the wiser. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a good episode, but it's it's not, uh, you know, it's not the wham, bam, slam, jam, crazy yeah. ice and fire action that, uh, that, that some of them are. Sure. Hey, before we get to the episode, I want to talk about stuff going on here at Bald Move. Uh, last week, we saw Blade Runner. Uh, 2049 i thought that podcast was was really awesome the spoiler free edition is there for everyone to enjoy but if you want to hear the spoiler filled one, you got to be a club member uh this week we're doing the same treatment to jackie chan coming out uh, of the s- same treatment that might be a little ambitious <laughs> i don't know what existential like <laughs> human versus robot questions the foreigner is gonna ask but... uh all i know is jackie chan's <laughs> ancient ass is coming out of retirement to kick pierce bronze are you saying he might be in ass. fact an android you know, it's the only thing that makes sense. A replicant? If he can scissor kick that high, <laughs> uh, and he's 79 years old, uh-huh. that's the only explanation. But it's The Foreigner, and uh, we're going to see it this Thursday. The podcast will be out that night. Uh, Mr. Robot comes uh, robot robin back uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday night. Uh, we will have our full podcast coverage out that Friday. Uh, and every subsequent Friday, we're doing Mr. Rob- I'm saying we're doing full coverage of Mr. Robot. We are. Boom. Uh also, Stranger Things, we have been behind the scenes feverishly recording podcasts for all of season one. Those are going to drop this coming Monday. Uh, then we'll have the preview podcast and uh, for season two out that the following Friday. The next Friday is the actual return of Stranger Things. That is October 27th, I believe. And we will be marathoning those. And our goal is to have coverage for all X episodes. I think it's eight. Ten? I think it's ten this time, yeah. Ten, all ten episodes. Nine? We, Sound, nine sounds right. <laughs> bracket the number with fire. We'll have all of those out that weekend. We're going to marathon them and redo the podcast until we have them finished. Uh, so that's pretty fucking ambitious. I don't know why we agreed to this, uh, but we did. So that's that's what's going on at baldmove.com uh, this week. Are we ready to get into the recap? Please. Okay, we start off with Catelyn telling Renly that Rob doesn't want the Iron Throne and trying to... Impress upon him that they're on the same side. Uh, Rinley agrees that the Starks can have the North if Rob swears fealty to him once they win the throne. Or I guess now, and then they can they can go on to win the throne. Uh, Catelyn pleads with him to work out a deal with Stannis, but he really doesn't want to. And then Melisandre's shadow baby shows up and kills Rinley and starts the episode off with a bang. And they kind of know that everyone's going to blame them for Rinley's death, so Catelyn and Brienne sneak off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, this is a, a big development for the beginning of an episode. <laughs> yeah, it it, it uh, changes the the balance of the the board quite a bit, and yeah. you know has impacts for throughout the realm. And also, it's like something where I was saying that like, uh, it's pretty easy to respect Rob's wishes for autonomy because nobody really wants any from the North anyway. You know, no. the, the hmm. North is okay. not a rich. It, it's half of Westeros, but it's it's a very poor half. It's the yeah. climate sucks, the soil's poor. There's not a lot of exports and riches to be gained there. Mm-hmm. They're hard men and women that live hard lives, and uh, it would be very easy because because essentially, essentially Rob has done one of those things where he's uh, the, what what he's agreed to here is he's essentially uh, got a better title with no raise. 
Like King of the North, what's the difference between being the Lord Paramount of the North, especially if you swear yeah. fealty to the king in Westeros? Uh-huh. Like, essentially nothing has changed. If I call you, you have to come to my aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there's no expert. I mean, I guess the <laughs> the thing is is that, you know, Rob can legitimize bastards now if he's King of the, if he's okay. King of the North. That's that's not yeah. nothing. John might have a chance. Like, right. hey, hey, bro, uh, I, I could really use a legitimization here. <laughs> right. There might not be, like, some, like, I don't know what kind of taxation or tribute that they send, but maybe that would be a little less. It's, I don't yeah. know. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, even Rinley says that, look, nothing has really changed, right? Like, Robert and Ned had this relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just continue it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think he's got a point. Um, the the most surprising thing I think about this scene is how sort of just mundane, regular Game of Thrones scene it feels until the yeah. shadow shows up. It's yep. like very matter of fact. Like we're having a political conversation here and deciding some things, but then boom, there's a shadow assassin and it kills Renly, and then just, just shit goes crazy yeah you know the guards rush in brian's got to kill him like it's kind of funny off. I, I do think it's interesting that uh you know because we see outside before we go into rinley's tent there's like the hustle and bustle of mm-hmm. uh, rinley's camp and everybody's scurrying around and uh rinley gets killed brian and cat both scream two guys come in there there's a sword fight and uh-huh. that's it yeah. that's it there wasn't like a whole train of dudes like the fuck is going on in the king's tent you know yeah oh they've learned not to question not to go in the king's tent that's right there's some gur- there's some screams and gurgling and yeah and, and yeah yeah just it's what it's... the king does, does in his tent is his business <laughs> uh yeah it's it's and even i guess if you predicted it and like saw okay this shadow assassin the shadow baby is gonna assassinate rinley it was surprising the way that it happened i i think yeah, because it it sort of happened in broad daylight. You know, it's it's like the next day, and this baby comes in, or at least I get the impression it was the next no, day. No, it was. They it's that it's still night. It's still night. It's still night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pitch black outside. Okay, it's I think I, get, I think I got that impression because of the scene where Stannis is sailing in. So yeah, I guess that takes place a while longer. It's the hour of the shadow. The hour of the shadow, the not sh- the wolf. The wolf shadow. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the Brienne's reaction and how she plays this being sick with grief and she doesn't want to leave him and you know Cat you know uh, mm-hmm. you know appealing to her reason that like you well you can't avenge him if you're dead and yeah guess what you know per what Aaron was just saying there's going to be a literal parade of dudes into this tent uh, mm-hmm. all wanting because because it, it looks bad sure it looks terrible I actually think that it's kind of weird that so many of the major players doubt the official story right off the bat mm-hmm. you know it seems like everybody from Marjorie to to Tyrion doubt the official story of oh well Catelyn and Brienne conspired to murder the king for some purpose mm-hmm. like it seems like that's the most likely explanation but you know I don't know what yeah that. it does I mean no nobody else knows that Rob doesn't want the throne right Right, so they well, would assume even, Catelyn comes in and even assassinates if they this did, guy. And, like that's what every like that's sure. that's that's a yeah. very common populist nationalist thing. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't uh-huh. know. This is no, please no. I okay, I guess you know. <laughs> right, it's all the way down the, the, to the, City Hall. By yeah, the false, the false, the false, <laughs> <laughs> the false humility is uh, is always a, is a good 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 play for those types. Yeah, and this sentiment of you can't avenge him if you're dead carries on in the next scene where Littlefinger's offering to spirit away Marjorie and Loras. Loras wants to kill Stannis, so Littlefinger offers to get him out of the city so that he'll have time for that vengeance. 
And he says the same thing to Loris. Look, or actually Marjorie does. You can't avenge him from the grave. So um, a lot of people kind of, I guess. becomes a ghost. If, if like, he like, a like ghost? you can't say yeah. that you can't you can't say that anymore when like shadows are coming out of women's vaginas and That's people true. are getting thrown yeah. off roofs with their neck twisted around. Like you know, maybe mm-hmm. you can. You just got you got it. That this is qualifies as unfinished business. Every person that dies with unfinished <laughs> business becomes a ghost. QED. Uh-huh. He could avenge him from the grave. The ghost of Heron Hall, maybe. Yeah. He needs to make his way to like, I, just, I just think it would be maybe maybe the point is these people are a little too educated and an elite to believe the 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 rap what the rabble believe. But I feel like in a mm. medieval society, maybe like I would like to see somebody when they're sh- given this speech in the show be like, "Fuck you, supernatural shit exists." I'm gonna come back as a revenant. Uh huh. Say right there in name. I'm coming back for vengeance, baby. <laughs> yeah. the The interesting thing to me with these two scenes is to see sort of how the cockroaches scurry when a king dies. Like yeah. The king dies, and all the people who were loyal to him <laughs> are now completely powerless, essentially. Right. And, and there's someone coming for them. Yes, and you hope that you can make the whole, like, hey, you guys got the same last <laughs> name. I'm a Baratheon guy. I mean, right. I didn't look too close to the banners. It's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially, I guess, you'd be shitting your pants if Stannis is coming for you. Because oh, he's, yeah. uh, he's a known hard ass. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's made his feelings about the matter quite, quite known. And he's all about justice and... I, I feel like his justice is harsh and swift. Also, Miss Dormer here, uh, when she fires that look at the camera saying, I want, I don't want to be a queen, I want to be the queen, I fucking believe her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is an ambitious woman. Yeah, so does Littlefinger. He, he's got the smile on his face. Yeah. His... yeah. What, can I, what, can I, what can I dip my little fingers <laughs> in? What kind of fucking bullshit pie can I make here? Uh, so then we go to King's Landing, where news of Renly's death has reached Cersei and Tyrion. No one knows who killed him, but Tyrion knows that Stannis now has the military superiority, both on land and sea, and he's coming for them. Cersei says that Joffrey is personally overseeing the defense of King's Landing, and she won't tell him anything about Joffrey's plan. My plans. hero. <laughs> right. So Tyrion goes to Lancel, and he finds out that wildfire has been stored up and that they're planning to use it. Yeah. Uh, was the opening scene where Cersei is looking out over the courtyard, is that Marcella and Sansa playing some kind of Westerosi Marco Polo? I think, uh, it's, I think I was making notes at that time. I think it was Sansa, which kind of surprised me because I was like, I, mm. I paused and it definitely looks like a dress Sansa's worn in her hairstyle, but she didn't turn around so I couldn't confirm. And, mm. and they were laughing and playing. On the one hand, it's like, are they trying to suggest that you know, Sansa's still a little girl here? Or are they trying to, you know, like I mm. the, I thought it was an interesting character moment that they didn't really dwell on or call much attention to. Yeah. Like I was expecting like, you know, the, the camera to pull in on Sansa and like she looks behind her and kind of narrows her eye, you know, like just that <laughs> she isn't like... I'm having fun, but I still hate you, Cersei. Uh, yeah, because I feel like there's a, there's a ter- <laughs> certain type of viewer to see that and be like, oh, fucking Sansa. Yeah. She's just such a fart in a wind. She doesn't, she doesn't really m- mean or feel anything, but... Anyway, you didn't see it. We should move on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, fucking Cersei is so insufferable with her. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh, it's the royal prerogative for us to keep. You know, I've heard I've heard this recently. I've heard this like, oh, I don't want to share my war plans because the, the you know then the enemies will find out. Right. Very convenient. Yeah. Very convenient logic. Uh, it, it, it certainly I. I don't know. There's obviously a lot of tension between Cersei and Tyrion, and and with good reason. Um, it's I I don't know who to put 
obviously I'm not going to put my trust here in Joffrey. I think Joffrey is a bag of shit and he he couldn't defend a city if he had to. Mm-mm. Um I d- I don't really know that much I guess about Cersei. She doesn't seem to have any military like prowess or or defense capabilities. I'm just wondering about like other people cuz she's clearly been talking to Varys, right? Mm-hmm. Um are they giving her advice? Is is there some good advisor behind the scenes who's helping out here? I mean, it could be Tyrion. Like mm-hmm. Tyrion could be that guy if he was let into the the circle here, let into the loop. Yeah, you gotta wonder like where did she get this wildfire idea? Yeah, was there like this this pyromancer was down in the like in and uh, he's like, oh, this is my time to shine. You know, I'll, I'll go up there and offer the queen wildfire. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, because Joffrey didn't come up with it. No. Joffrey hasn't cracked a book. He wouldn't know anything about wildfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know I don't why Varys would. I don't know why Varys would suggest it because everything I've seen to this this point suggests that he would be loyal to the realm and he's mm-hmm. as smart as anybody. He would be able to point the flaws of this plan as well as uh, Bronn would. Yeah. Um. But she's just being. She thinks she's got. She thinks she's got this awesome idea, and she doesn't want to share credit with it. And uh, of course, as we find out later, it'd be a disastrous plan. So, <laughs> right. Um. And that's so, the thing. Here's this is like what I've been saying all season of Tyrion poisoning the well and being like. Here's a point where he really needs to to be straight with his sister, and they need to mm-hmm. talk this stuff out. And she is serving him a heaping helping of his smug bullshit back. Now, sure. she might do that anyway, uh-huh. but, you know, anytime you take a, a, a near certainty to an absolute, you've, you've, <laughs> you've you played the game wrong, dude. Yeah. Played, you've played the game wrong. Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, Tyrion definitely has some lessons to learn as yeah. well. But he's also, I mean, the other thing is like, uh, so against my point is all this is for show because mm-hmm. he's got the pipeline to the truth. Uh, one Lancel Lannister that he's got by the balls. Yeah, um, which the lot even oh god even torturing you is boring. Get out of get out of my litter. That's <laughs> so so good. I was wondering if this wasn't like one of those canary traps set from the opposite side here. Like oh I'll tell Lancel it's wildfire. I'll tell uh, Shay that it's. I don't know, big big bows and arrows. I mean, you're <laughs> right. That's like I I honestly could have. It would have been interesting if Cersei had tried that right because she just saw it demonstrated its efficacy demonstrated yeah so it'd be funny if she clumsily tried to do it to Tyrion and he but you know <laughs> they don't out, yeah. they don't go that deep with it no uh, you got to wonder like why would the royal pyromancer switch his allegiance from the queen regent to Tyrion like without some kind of like threat or like, some yeah, of the stuff it's that... like when I was watching it in retrospect it's like it seems too easy for Tyrion he just announces well you're working for me now Okay. I, it, it feels to me like he's he's saying basically I'm going to get control of this. Like it, you're you think you're doing it for the queen, but you're doing it for me now. Okay, but like, that's like, not in what he the future, I said to the pyromancer and the pyro is 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 Cersei never going to come to this pyromancer and be like, "Hey, how many pots you got for me?" Right. And and is the pyromancer just going to be like, "Oh, not mention your brother came down here?" And if he does, you know what I'm saying? Like. There's there's yeah. another couple layers to this intrigue that I, I'm I'm hungry for. Yeah, I don't think they've revealed them yet, which that's fine. Um, but they're certainly setting them up. Uh, and there's I guess a sort of funny scene with Tyrion and Lancel where he's just torturing Lancel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was pretty good. And then he has Lancel tell Bronn to kill him <laughs> uh, if anything happens to Tyrion. Uh, then we go over to Davos who wants to speak to Stannis about the Shadow Baby, but Stannis has no interest in hearing it. 
He plans to sail into Blackwater Bay, destroy the Lannister fleet, and take the city. Davos is concerned with Melisandre's presence, driving Stannis Bannerman off. And Stannis decides that he's right, and they'll leave without Melisandre. And also, by the way, Davos, you're going to command the fleet into Blackwater Bay. Something that is completely foreign to Davos. Yeah. He's usually avoiding the boats. He's, yeah, going away from the fleets. Yeah. Uh and as Davos says, it's not going to be politically popular. The you know uh, the Davos, yeah. this this smuggler turned knight, is going to lead them. But uh, <laughs> it cuts both ways. Yeah, the hard truth. It does. What what do we what do we learn about Stannis here that he doesn't want to hear about this this unconventional battle tactic or or Davos review of it from Davos? Does he is because. He already knows, right? Like I none think of this so. is a surprise. Yeah. Or is he afraid that if he does know that his his you know the, the way Stannis is would prevent him from doing? I, I I'm not quite sure because the way they play it is like Stannis is almost afraid to be told in black and white terms what actually happened here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. It seems like to a point Stannis can endure the hard truths. Yeah. Um. But I think if you get too close to to something that is bugging Stannis about himself, mm-hmm. he is probably pushing back on that. Right. Like, this is something that I deeply feel is probably a mistake, but mm-hmm. it was really the only option available to me. Right. And so I took it. Right. Uh, he doesn't want to be confronted with that right now. Right. But he is willing... Th- that's the thing about Stannis. He, he is stubborn, um, but he also is in certain respects, willing to listen to the hard truths, right? Yeah. And, and and integrate those ideas into what he's, what he's doing. He's not going to go and re-argue the past, but he's willing to to take into account that for the future. Like, okay, well maybe we leave the red, red lady behind Mm -hmm. so that I can actually achieve a military victory rather than, uh, uh, this. And also like, I wonder what's, I guess Stannis, like what, what the official story on Stannis aside is that cat, probably bribed uh Brienne of Tarth to kill Renly for some kind of profit for her son. Sure, one of many. <laughs> I'm certain. Cuz you think it just supposed to be like just this scandalous speculation about like my god on the eve of our battle the mm-hmm. other guy's king just fucking croaks. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Or I wonder if they like there'd be rumors about maybe Stannis paid uh Catelyn Stark to do this because it sure is, you know, beneficial for our liege lord, but No, it's it's kind of a stroke of luck that Catelyn was there in the camp um when Stannis decided to send in the You're right. assassin. It it it, it kind of suits his purpose it because gives him a it, cover. it gives yeah. a lot more like plausible cover stories. Yeah. Um so yeah, Tyrion walks through the city with Bronn and he's trying to figure out how to defend King's Landing just kind of observing the people. And he sees peasants uh, sowing dissent over Joffrey's parentage, and he's pleased with that until he realizes, oh, they're also calling him a demon monkey, which he is not too happy about. Yeah, like they're the the as far as the city's concerned, he's the one that that has engineered all this. He's the center yeah. of the corruption and the the um, the the evil appetites that's going on. When in fact, I. He's got to be the only person in King's Landing, aside from Varys at this point, mm-hmm. who I would believe has any chance of fending off Stannis. Yeah. I mean, now that they don't have the superiority of numbers, mm-hmm. uh, they've got a big problem. And the only person I see solving that is either Tyrion or Varys. Right. 
And we also have learned that Tywin hasn't been in contact for weeks yeah. because he's probably. I mean, <laughs> why not? I, I I mean it's it it makes Tywin in retrospect seem a lot weaker because it's it's almost yeah. like in the way that Stannis didn't want to be told from Davos like Tywin's not going to invite a response from his son mm-hmm. who is is ruling King's Landing in his stead like you know he doesn't want to hear Tyrion's bullshit about oh having trouble with Rob Stark are we yeah uh, yeah I think you know Tywin's very proud as well and. Yeah, to report back right now is to admit that they're losing. Yeah, he wants to come back with some with news, news of victory. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. which is uh, you know it's a weakness. Anytime you can't deal mm-hmm. with the reality in front of you, it's uh, it's a weaker position than than when you can. Yeah, I I wouldn't like put too much weight on that because I think you know in those scenes where we see Tywin talking about the battle, he clearly acknowledges that he's losing. Oh yeah, he's getting his ass. I don't kicked. think he's delusional. He just he yeah he's just not willing to go back. I guess to to report on the status until he has something good right. to add to it. Right. Um, so Theon tries to take possession of his ship, but his men are they they don't respect him at all. And Yara comes up and she rubs it in as his men board the ship without him. Uh, someone there decides to take Theon under his wing and helps him come up with an attack plan that could potentially leave Winter Winterfell vulnerable. That's that's kind of the takeaway that I got from this is th- this last kind of sentence from Theon where they both look knowingly at each other. To me, they're realizing that, like, if we attack this place, Winterfell will send their troops. And as a feint, yeah. And then we could use that to, I guess, sack Winterfell um, or, or pull... I don't know what other purpose like pulling their troops away from Winterfell would have. Right. Well, first of all, like Torin Torin Square is a much bigger prize than just harassing poor fishermen mm-hmm. on a stony shore. Yeah. Uh, and then if the the Starks take the bait and send their entire entire garrison of Winterfell uh, to yeah. quell that uprising, then which it sounds like they might have at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. By by the end. Yeah, so now 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 we shall see what happens. Yeah, uh, the interesting thing is going to be to to see if his men will even follow him into that battle. Like right. clearly they they followed him to Torrance Square because right. we hear reports of it being taken. Right. But but how far are they willing to follow Theon? Well, and and I think Dagmar is saying that like that's what you need to learn. You need to until you command like Yara levels of respect. Yeah. You need to play into their 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 nature. Like Ironborn, mm-hmm. don't like these guys. Don't want to go and fuck around with fishermen villages. Like tell them that they've got some real riches and some highborn ladies to go after and some some glory to seek. And they'll want like <laughs> if they don't give a shit about following you, they yeah. want to do something that enriches and and makes them grandiose. So he's trying to give. He's trying to tell him how to rule the Ironborn way. Yeah, and adding on from the scene with. Theon and his father, um, Balon, last episode or the episode before that. Right. Uh, it really paints a clearer picture of who the Ironborn are, you know. Um, it, th- this idea that they don't do as they're told, they do as they like, um, is is kind of key to understanding the Ironborn. They are pirates. They are the people who go out and rape and pillage right. for the fun of it. You and know? this is why they've always been like a, you know, a small poor people because that right. that is great for individual glory, but you know, the yeah. whole 
whole story of humanity is the the triumph of 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 people working together to achieve larger goals right. like an individual can become a warlord and hold a territory a civilization can colonize the moon mm-hmm. you know which in the end ha- is the path that leads to more glory and and prosperity uh you know you know vote aaron uh, for a moon base <laughs> that's that's all i'm saying Wow, you're going to start as Moon Emperor? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. your first public no, office? No, no, no. It's a benevolent <laughs> dictator for life. Okay. Which I I'd think start we can as all like county treasurer is, or is, something. Is the be- we can all agree is the, is, is the, the best form of government, benevolent dictator. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay, we go over to Tywin getting a status report, and it, it doesn't look good. Rob is kicking his ass. Uh, his men aren't coming up with any good ideas for defeating Rob, and they're also complaining. So Tywin sends one of them home. Um, who is he's I guess sleepy. a cousin? He's sleepy. They've been they've he's been sleepy. He misses his wife. He's... They've been they've been planning all night long, and they <laughs> right. haven't come up with anything. Oh my god! Yeah, the line. Uh, he he says something like "sleep would do us good," and he says, "Oh yes, and because you're my cousin, I might even let you wake from that sleep," which <laughs> right. is so great. But it also shows that, like you know, to this point, they've built up the Lannisters to be the fucking empire. From Star Wars, sure. and now you're starting to see like, yeah, Tywin's impressive, Tyrion's impressive, but there's some real chuckle fucks. Oh yeah, in the Lannister family, mm-hmm. there's some people. There's with the... some Piets and some. <laughs> yes, you're uh, right. You're right. There's there's puzzles. Some, there's some fruit. <laughs> there's some fruit that people have chucked very far from the tree. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's and, and Tywin's got his share share of them. So uh, I I think that's. This is good world building because, um, you know, I mean, I guess we've already known that because Rob has run circles around them and we're starting to see a little bit why, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's not only are are, are Rob's men passionate about him, but like Tywin's trying to make the point that until we can deal him a military defeat, it's like this, it's this weird force multiplier that is until it's not. Like it's like this 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 aura around like he's got the NBA jam fire halo on his head uh-huh. and, and until you know Tywin can dunk over him, he's gonna continue <laughs> he's gonna continue. For sure. Do you find it compelling that we're not seeing any of these battles? We just know that they're happening and that Tywin is losing? I mean, I think so because um you know it, it, this is sometimes like reading battle scenes, unless you have a singular perspective to focus on, can be kinda tedious. Yeah. So I don't like. I mean, yeah, I love thrilling spectacle as much as the next guy, but like, I'm fine with the show carrying on tradition of the book from the books of largely yada yadaing through the battles and just dealing with the aftermath because that's yeah. that's the really um, that's the really interesting from a psychological and political perspective, and I think that's Game of Thrones uh, strengths for sure. We are getting closer to seeing a battle. We saw the beginning and the aftermath of the, yeah. of the last one. Maybe eventually they'll get to a real battle that we see. Right. Um, for the, I guess, the people who like to see that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm co- mostly with you. I, I think it's interesting to see behind the scenes on both sides. And this this uh, concept of Arya serving a steward for Tywin's war council is such a great concept and one that I, you know, for all of the Double D haters, uh, this is a, completely invented for the show. Mm-hmm. This does not happen in the books. Um, and it's just a delight. It is. Like, like Arya trying to pass off herself as being something she's not and Tywin kind of seeing through that. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, when 
when he asks her about Rob Stark and she tells him all this stuff and he asks, uh, do you believe that he can't be killed? And she goes, no, anyone can be killed. And the look she gives him and then they, they pan over to the Charles dance and he's such a fucking malignant. I sit something some, 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 between he's, he's, he's between a lich and like a Sith Lord <laughs> with that fucking his pale eyes. Yeah. Uh, he, he's that 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 macro that dead mackerel stare that they're, they're always talking about Mike from Breaking Bad having. Right. He's got it in spades. Yeah, he's great. Uh, we ought to make a supercut of Charles Dance staring <laughs> uh, Jonathan Banks like just have and see who's got the <laughs> the worst dead mackerel stare. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's he's got that stare because he's not drinking. I, That's I true. It's clear. Yeah, Tywin yeah. clear eyed is 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 a very <laughs> scary thing. Is that is that a long standing thing with him? Does he not drink just during battle? Does he not drink ever? I think it's you just, know? I think it's just more like they've been up all night. Nobody nobody needs you know at Adams. Yeah, for... no nobody needs that right yeah. now. In fact, if uh, uh, if, if Westeros had discovered coffee, they'd probably be drinking that. Yeah. So Arya is sent away to fetch some water and on the way she runs into Jack and Agar who is disguised as a Lannister soldier. He talks some cryptic shit about the red God and Arya <laughs> comes away with three lives to give to the red God. Um, she just has to speak their name, I guess. Uh, so she names the tickler, which apparently nickname works well enough because he's the guy who tortures people and Jack and says, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, ominously. I don't know. I like how she tries to bust his balls by like, you know, I shouldn't have freed you because you're serving them. And he's like, well, yeah, you're the one at the wine pitcher. Yeah. You know, you're literally carrying their <laughs> water for them. Uh-huh. Why is it right for you and not for me? So, and she's like, well, I didn't have any choice. He's like, yeah, we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I let them kill you. Yeah, no, I think I, I I think I think it's great. I think Jacken's a great character and the mystery and like the fact that this is kind of like a superpower that Arya's about to get. The fact that she's mm. got these three yeah. lives and a man who Some death genie. Right, 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 right. And you're wondering like I was when I was watching this, I'm like, I wonder what she'll say cuz I didn't remember the scene. I'm like, I wonder if she'll like try like Joffrey or Tywin. Like But I mean, go I think big. From, I think from <laughs> I think from Arya's perspective, I think I think I read her as that she thinks this guy's full of shit. Okay, this is testing the waters. This is kind of like, well, let's see if you can okay. if, if if you can do let, let let's see how good you are at your work. Now and, just it's Cersei and Tywin. The war's over. Right. Because uh, Joffrey's not fending anybody off. Right. You see send send Jackanoff as a meat seeking missile and yeah. uh we'll we'll see if uh if, if how 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 big Arya can dream. Yeah, the second time through, um Actually, I've watched Game of Thrones several times now. Um, watching it through again, I'm very much more interested in what Jacken has to say because uh-huh. the first time through, I was like, "What is all of this God bullshit and death? And we owe him lives or we owe him deaths? I don't know how any of this works." <laughs> this time through, I'm much more like, "Okay, yeah, I see what they're developing here." Yeah, uh, and I guess it's interesting to see the tracks they're laying for stuff that happens later. With yeah, Jacken. Uh, so John and G are talking. Spoiler: that things happen later with Jacken. Things ha- Jacken is not dead for at the any, end of this for episode. Anyone that's slow and he holds up the one and kind of winks uh-huh. <laughs> and says, I'll "The implied do stuff later." That's right. definitely you ending. got two more. There's, there's a foreshadowing that's going to happen. <laughs> right. Uh, Actually, so- Shadow Baby kills him in the very first scene of the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> 
Spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. Or maybe it does. Oh, boy. Which is just obfuscations, a state-of-the-art podcast cloaking technology. Uh, so we go north, and John and Gior are talking about the half-hand and how they'll find him. Um, as uh, Apparently there's going to be a horn blown or something. I don't know. The Night's Watch is venturing further north. Um, they arrive at the Fist of the First Men, which really, really excites Sam. He is all about it. Like the books he has read about this thing. Man, the He's First Men and their fisting. It's just legend. Uh, I actually say, because I didn't notice this on the first time through, but the Fist of the First Men, sure enough, looks like a fucking fist. Yeah. Yeah, like hmm. the mountain range looks like a looks looks looks, looks like a there's you go one two three four five or four, I couldn't four knuckles. see a damn thing in this scene. What? Not a damn thing. They're talking about some fire. I didn't see fire. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that scene, sure. Yeah. Well, you don't have you don't have eyes of the hawk. I guess not. Like uh, Corin and and John uh, John do. Yeah. So they hear a horn blow and half hand arrives as Sam kind of clues them into what the different horns mean, like the number of of blows yeah. of the horn. One, uh, one horn f- uh, f- friend, two horns foe, three horns white walker, which no one has heard for <laughs> thousands of years. Yeah. Ominous. Very, very Obi-Wan Kenobi of them. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, Dolores Ed's like, well, thanks, Sam. Now that you've mentioned it, it's sure to blow three times. <laughs> right. Fucking, fuck, look at this fucking Chekhov's horn blower over here. Way to go. The The names in this show, even having watched like three times through, still confuse me. Because yeah. this Corin guy is is I guess not Yorin, who nope. is dead at this point. <laughs> uh, very very confusing. I I just always like the names Corrin and the and faces Yorin. are hard to get. Yeah, you're right. They they rename Asha to Yara because they uh-huh. don't want to confuse people. But then they hit a, hit you right with Yorin and Corin. <laughs> right. And there's a <laughs> and there's like a quorum over it. The thirteen over it. Uh, Karth, I don't know. It's yeah. all very confusing. Anyway, um, sounds like quite the badass is Corn Halfhand, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the legend, I don't know. He doesn't do anything badass in this episode, really, mm-hmm. other than scout a fire from very far away. Uh, and the more interesting stuff that happens is later, later on in the episode with him. So we go over to Tyrion getting an introduction to wildfire from this crazy old. Is this guy a maester? He's a pyromancer. He has a lot of fucking chains. I thought he might be a maester, but well, I mean, they I aren't w- like I, I those wonder. Kind of links. I wonder if the pyromancers are, are kind of jealous of the yeah. uh, of the maesters. Well, we can. We got chains. Like, yeah, we got we, lots of chains. Right, and they're they're they yeah they got they got their there's more of a chain uh over what are the, what are they call suspenders. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a chain suspender thing. But the, and they they were called something. Um, Shit, was what it was like? It was like not a like a, a grace or but a wisdom. They're called wisdoms. The people, yeah, like that was their like the maesters are called maesters. This guy I think was called wisdom something or other. Oh boy, wisdom dotries. Huh. Anyway, okay. Anyway, yeah. So he's also, as I mentioned in the outset, this guy is actually played by Roy Dotries, who is the narrator of all of the a Song of Ice and Fire novels released thus far. Okay. Um. He he asks. Tyrion asks how much wildfire they have, and he's shown a fairly enormous cache of it, <laughs> 7,811 pots. Yeah. Uh, Bronn is really nervous about this wildfire plan. He thinks it'll actually accidentally destroy King's Landing, um, and Tyrion decides they're going to start making wildfire for him instead of Cersei. Mm-hmm. Somehow he's going to make that come true, I suppose. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I thought it was cool that Bronn's like, let me get this straight. 
all of our best soldiers are off to the north with your father. So we've got a bunch of conscripts and irregulars. They're going to be juggling these pots that the pyromancer himself is like about to shit his pants that you'll drop it here in his room. Uh-huh. And we're going to launch this at the other t- – and no one's ever going to break a pot and none of this is going to get lost into the city. It, it sounds like a fucking terrible idea. Fron <laughs> just doesn't want his dick burning off. That's all. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to the, you know. Yeah, I am too, but he's overly concerned. I'm going to run on a very strong No Dicks Burnt uh, <laughs> campaign for my Moon moon uh, Benevolent Dictator for Life campaign. Uh, okay. It's, it's, uh, it, it's something important to, very important to half of our population. <laughs> uh, you know, no burn of vaginas too. Uh, I'm equal opportunity dictator. Uh, I, In fact, I maybe I scene. should call it Dick Andor Vagitator because uh-huh. I th- wouldn't want to, th- you know, to to show my hand, so to speak, right? With my title, crotch, crotch tater. Yeah, crotch tater. There you go, crotch tater. <laughs> Everybody's got a crotch. That sounds like a hygiene problem. It does. Good yeah. God, take it. You're growing. You're growing crotch taters, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ, got a whole fresh crop of crotch taters down there. <laughs> Uh, okay, what else do we want to say about this scene? I think we've said far too much. I think so, We must too. withdraw. All right, let's move on to Danny. She's training Drogon to cook his food. Uh, she's also getting a ton of new clothes, a uh, whole wardrobe from the looks of it. And then she wears them to, or not all of them, she wears one dress to some event where she comically prevents her warriors from pillaging the city's <laughs> treasures. Uh, then she's introduced to one of the 13 who demonstrates his magical powers and invites her to the House of the Undying. Then finally, Dick Sauce comes up and apologizes for the guy's bad parlor tricks, and a woman in a mask tells Jorah to watch out for Danny. That's a hell of a magic show. I mean, he's a one man Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, I I was trying to determine what the what the jewel actually had to do with anything. I, I think know. it was just a distraction because everyone else sees what she sees, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's not like you look into this jewel and suddenly you see multiple people. It unleashes a mass delusion yeah. just by staring at the jewel. So I think the jewel is like the sleight of hand distraction yeah. that you're supposed to be looking at so you don't see how he does his trick. Right. It's it's a, it's essentially the same. It's the Coachella hologram trick. You okay. Know, if, you, if, yeah. if, if you stand, like the people standing at different angles, like, what the fuck? I don't get it. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot to unpack in this scene. Are, are you done unpacking it? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, because I want to talk. First of all, dragons fucking adorable. These yeah. baby dragons, I forgot how fucking cute they are. They got gigantic heads. Well, I mean, they got to grow into them, right. They're, they're like like Funko Pop versions of <laughs> themselves. <laughs> Um, and this is the mystery because, like, they had this light mystery of like, why won't the dragons eat? Well, apparently, the dragons will only eat food that they they themselves cook. Yeah. Um, presumably their mama dragon would have cooked it for them, but until mm-hmm. they were old enough to cook it for themselves. I like the kind of rivalry they got between um, <laughs> their, this, the, the handmaidens, Daria and Eerie. Yeah. Eerie is irritated, the other handmaid, because she sees, uh, I don't know, is she afraid that uh, Khaleesi is going to be Westerosified? Seems like it, yeah. Like you're going to give up your, your leather tunics for your fine satin and silks? Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't like it. She wants. Uh, she wants to Khaleesi. Uh, she wants to keep Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Uh, and also, Danny Loki orders Daria to fuck Zaro, right? Or orders is she hinting that fuck duck sauce? Yeah, yeah. Because there is, a, you know, they're make she's making eyes about him and like this, and she's like, oh, well, you know, men say say more when they're happy. Oh, that's true. And she makes kind of googly eyes at her. Oh, she wants Danny. To fuck him. No, 
No, she, Dor- Danny wants Doria to fuck him. <laughs> what? I know, but then Danny... Why would he do that? Well, That's not what he wants. She's an attractive woman, and like she could just... Pro- I mean, he's a rich, powerful man. I mean, you, you think he's just, so. wait, he's just being celibate for Danny? Fuck no. I don't know. Have we ever seen him fuck? He's got a different handmaiden, uh, which is, <laughs> Are they all in this in case, vault? euphemism for a sex slave uh, every night. Yeah, uh, maybe so. I don't know. We haven't seen that, though. I haven't seen that, but I feel like that that's the mission that she was uh, she was hmm. sent upon, and then and then and then Danny's cock blocking her by kind of romancing the the duck sauce on, yeah. her, on her own. Yeah, none of that seems to track. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, uh, she's an inexperienced leader. That's true, yeah. uh, and she is. She's very inexperienced, and they make a point about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. The whole Dothraki, like I get that their culture is different, but surely they don't think. That you know, teenage teenage uh, Drogo and old man Drogo are going to be able to carve up the statue in this dude's home. I mean, it's it it it's it makes the Dothraki like the Dothraki might be primitive and savage from a different cultural perspective, but the, mm-hmm. what they should never be is fucking stupid. Yeah, and I feel like they're being portrayed as fucking stupid here. Right? They've got what forty of them max yeah and they're in the walls of like the yeah city. these are weak soft merchants but guess what right. their 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 slave army is not going to allow you yeah. to just walk off with their fucking golden peacock no it is pretty ridiculous it feels more like a skit from a it really does like Abbott and costello routine or it, something it really it really does yeah um i don't know i i didn't particularly like that part but i do i, I don't know i find it interesting this guy who shows up who we've seen in the background before um with the purple lips and he's talking about like the stuff they drink and he gives them delusions and i'm i don't know where that fits into his quote-unquote parlor tricks like he clearly can do something right but what is that is it a projection right is it like a legitimate copy of himself (laughs) what is that twin Yeah, oh, that would be funny. <laughs> he was doing yeah. the work. His twin is just doing the worm between everybody's legs, and it just pops up when why Danny's looking at the gym. Yeah. I'm here, and now I'm there. Like, this is essentially the prestige, and which this, is spoilers for the movie Prestige, but, right. you know, it's hey, it's, old. what, 11 million years old at this point. And, and this woman in the mask who is very mysterious as well. Quaith. Telling Jorah to watch out for Danny. Um, I, I don't know what her deal is, but she seems to know some things. Really cool jeweled mask mm-hmm. uh seen some good cosplays of that i have too yeah at the at the con of thrones we went to there's a bitch in quaith yeah she looked like um i was afraid of her because she <laughs> just looks like she's gonna come over and i don't know throw some smoke down at her feet and take you into a negaverse <laughs> where god knows what'll happen uh, but yeah the invitation to like hey when you get tired of duck sauces sauce for his duck then you can come on over to the House, House of the, of the Undying, Undying. Sounds ominous. Party with the Warlocks. Yeah. Sounds like the most metal concert you go to. <laughs> House of the Undying welcomes you to see the Warlocks of Quarth. Uh So Catelyn and Brienne are talking about the, the shadow in the shape of a man. And Brienne is convinced that it was Stannis. Catelyn says she plans to head home after they tell Rob about this, and Brienne asks if Catelyn will let her go at that point so she can kill Stannis. Cat's like, I, you're not my hostage. Yeah. What, what the right. fuck? What the fuck? Quit trying to put yourself in the medieval hierarchies. We're in the woods here, sister. Yeah, it seemed Let's like there howl was... at the moon and get naked, start a fire, <laughs> get some the witch up in here, find your... Br- no, I don't know. I don't know. It seemed to be, like, out of order. Like, 
okay, notice her courage. Uh-huh. Notice Catelyn's courage. Pledge yourself to her. Uh-huh. And then say, oh, can I go do this Stannis thing? Are you right. going to let me go when I get back? Right, right, right. Because you're not, yeah, you owe nothing to Catelyn at yeah. that point. Yeah, it was, was was a little weird. It's, a, I mean, but on the other hand, like I do, I get, I, there's a little goose pimp, a little goose pimply too. When she draws out the sword and pledges her, yeah, her service to to, to Cat, you start thinking like, Although, hey, cats, cats in good hands. It seems like this is a pattern with her, just <laughs> right. running around pledging herself everywhere. Right, right, right. She's uh, she's quick to fall and and liege. <laughs> she sure is. <laughs> She's she's just she's just fucking pledges on the first date, man. Yep. Can't stop. Every time she's like this, nope, nope. I'm just gonna have coffee, <laughs> gonna have pleasant conversation. Next thing you know, it's swords out, yep. and she's kneeling and like, well, how the fuck did this happen again? <laughs> uh, okay. Anything else in that scene or? Uh, no, sir. All right. People come over to uh, to Winterfell in front of Bran, and they're asking for Although, things. Although, if I was Brienne, I would be very mm-hmm. suspicious of like, promise me you won't hold me back. And Kat's like, I won't hold you back, period, 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 <laughs> when the time comes. Yeah, which is just a cop-out, right? Yeah, That's like, just I've, like, I've fucking uh, the seen... The time hasn't come yet, Brandon. Yeah, like, ask John Wick how that works out. Ask uh-huh. uh, The Rock from The Rundown, whatever the fuck his name, how that, like, it, like it's you, you put yourself in service to some dude and let them define the time because you don't trust yourself. Like, it's it's never, yeah. it never goes well. Yeah, that's why we have, like, written contracts now. Yeah. So that we can define the time, like, right. when, when is this time? When will it come? Yeah. What What is it? Right. I, I feel like that, and even like even the way that uh, uh, the cat portray- like the a- actor that plays cat, uh, I can't remember her name, uh, Michelle something or other Farley, yeah, whatever. Uh, she the, even she the way she plays it is kind of like the wheels are turning a little bit. Yes, when the time comes, uh-huh. like because I'm thinking, I, I don't think it's nefarious for Cat because she's actually like, when is the time going to come where I'll feel. Like I'm not dicking you over by unleashing you on Stannis, mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, you're 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 a strong fit person, but you know Stannis has got like a hundred like you around him at all times. So yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even if you want to kill Stannis, I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a good time. Like, let's say Stannis does get on the Iron Throne. Yeah. Well, it's a worse time, right? It's like now is probably good. the best time right, to try right, right. it. Like, like maybe instead, like instead of this night business, you should go to a shy. You know, wear some red robes, do some shadow baby training, find yeah. some dude in the tavern that's that 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 that, that likes you, and then that's that's the path forward. But yeah, I I I, I feel like. Um, that would be a, that. Uh, I, I worry that it's going to be a source of friction between Cat and Brienne. That like you know, Brienne's sure. always going to be one left off the chain, and 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 Cat not because she needs her as a servant, because she's genuinely concerned for. Her, is like, nah, it's not, now's not the time. Speaking of confusing names, um, people come to not Brienne, not Bronn, but Bran, <laughs> and they're asking for things, and he gives them what they need. Uh, Sir Roderick then busts into the the Great Hall there in Winterfell and says, Torrin Square is under siege, and they they decide to send a whole bunch of men to defend the area. Bran asks Asha about the Three-Eyed Raven afterward. Um, He's he's apparently been dreaming about it. And he's also dreaming about the sea crashing into Winterfell, which is, I think, the second piece of the puzzle, which to me says Winterfell should be worried about Theon. Yeah. Because they have now done essentially what Theon was implying would happen is they sent a bunch of their troops to take back Torrent Square. Right. Uh, 
potentially leaving them vulnerable, and now he's got this ominous dream about the sea, right. which is essentially a stand-in for the Greyjoys, in my mind. Well, and also he specifically says, I see drowned men right. floating in the courtyard. Well, we guess that's we just were introduced to the Ironborn's religion <laughs> uh-huh. uh, that consists of a bunch of drowned men. So, yeah, like I, this, was all, this was all contemporaneous speculation. So Yeah, so this is... I mean, now the this question is, is how accurate are Bran's dreams, right? Yes. Like, is Bran seeing visions of the future? Is Bran worried about the situation? Like, what is going on here? Right, right. Uh, and I don't think we we know. You know what else that. is under siege? Huh? Every fucking nut tree in the north. Yeah, yeah. Rickon. Rickon has gone on a one man <sighs> war against all nut bear. Like he's just just. Why going would to you town let that there. happen next to you? Just because you know. It's... I couldn't think. I, I could not think with nuts being smashed loudly next to I me. Could, I couldn't either. I couldn't take the Lord's... You know, it's like, I'm sorry, would you say, what about the orphans? <laughs> uh, what? I mean, it is very distracting. I'm surprised yeah. Lu... Plus, why does Brain have to do it? Shouldn't Lewin be kicking him under the table? And, oh, what the fuck is Brain... E- what's, what's Rickon even doing there? I don't know. Like, emergency backup plan for, for Brain? Just so it's like, you know, it's like, well, you know, sit in on the Lord's duties just in case. Right. In case Brain decides he's done with this. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to save the nuts so the king like, okay, we'll send him at the table. Surely he can't smash them. God damn it, he's smashing nuts. <laughs> Where'd he get all the nuts from? <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Sird Red, and you know, uh, they've also got uh, Master Lewin, or Maester Lewin, who we think is a smart dude, and he's saying, ah, oh, do we need to send all these guys? And Yeah. And Roderick's saying, yeah, all their best men are down south with Rob, but I, got to, I could probably scrounge up the rest of the good men. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... I mean, I don't, I don't fault Brand because what he says is true. If we can't protect our bannermen, how can we expect them to protect us? And yeah, obviously, you know, Roderick's like, you know, that makes him like, yep, this is a good kid. I'm following another couple. By the time I'm dead, my son, my son will have a decent lord to serve. Um, so yeah, like they're in, a, they're in, they're in a tough spot here. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, no good solutions. All right, then we go but back. The, also, I'm surprised that Brand lets Asha be as evasive as she is. You know, because he's asked her like three or four times, like, seriously, stop fucking with me. What does the wildling say about the three-eyed, raven, the three-eyed yeah. ravens? At the end, she says, they say all kinds of crazy things. Well, tell me those crazy things. <laughs> right. I'm the Lord of Winterfell. I command it. You they know, these people you're talking about, these people you're worried about putting you in chains. I'm now one of those people. I'm the per people. I'm yeah. the people most likely to put you in chains and everyone will listen to me. So fucking tell me <laughs> right now. What are these crazy things? Yeah. I can't be crazier than this shit old Dan was spinning back when I was a kid, so come on. That's true. Yeah, everything he knows he's gotten out of storybooks, essentially. <laughs> it is, and, and surprisingly, it's it's all useful. Yeah. Uh, so we go back north, and Corrin's pointing out a fire where some of, I guess, Mance's scouts are gathered, and they're they're waiting. They're going to go back and tell Mance if they're discovered. So Corrin suggests some guerrilla tactics to sneak in and kill Mance, which starts with taking out the scouts by the fire. And everyone seems to want to go, but eventually John is allowed to go with Corrin to take them out. Yeah, I love a good old commando mission. Yeah, I really, I see nothing in this scene. I don't know if I'm supposed to or if that's like the point is this guy can can read the land and knows the score better than I do, better than the viewers do, but... Yeah, I saw nothing in there. 
Yeah, well, just a blank white. If you saw it on IMAX, you'd see the pinprick of light that they're talking about. Okay, it's kind of like I was looking for smoke. I was it's, looking it's, for fire. It's, it's kind of like uh, in in um, Lawrence of Arabia. If you watch like the VHS version for the first time, there's like a no shit five minute scene of Peter O'Toole gazing off into the desert, and you're like, what the. F- Fuck. <laughs> and then years later, you watch the Blu-ray version, or you see it on a screening, and you're like, oh, I'm actually watching a man emerge from a mirage and resolve. Like, you can, and that's like, it's 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 telling you what it's like to be out in the desert in the vast expanse. It's completely uh-huh. lost on a standard definition TV on a VHS tape. Huh. So, yeah, I just assume that when they come out with 4K, when I get a 4K television, I pop in the 4K Blu-ray, I'm going to see that pinprick of light that mm. they're talking about. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I thought I had a good definition copy of it. <laughs> uh, anything else in that scene? It's uh, pretty straightforward. I don't think so, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I, the, the whole thing, There's a, they're, they're building more legend around Mance, the the, the yeah. turncoat uh, black brother who's now the king in the north, and they're worried that they're going to teach them to fight like, you know, because so far, every time the Night's Watch shows up with their good forged castle steel, they just rout the wildlings because they're undisciplined and you know, can't hold the line, and Corrin's like, ah, these ain't your father's wildlings. Mm-hmm. They got some, they got some backbone now. Yeah, Mance is doing great things up north, I guess. He's got the whole fucking. And he's like, how many, how many wildlings does he have? And he's like, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we go back over to Karth, where Zardas von Duxos points out <laughs> that Jorah loves Danny, and he asks her what she desires. She says she wants to take the Iron Throne, and then she asks what he wants, and he takes her to a vault that he swears has a whole bunch of really cool stuff inside, right. and, and, and why offers would he her lo- half in return for her hand in marriage. I mean, why would you have that ridiculously expensive, impenetrable vault right. that you would pay people to break into if you didn't have vast sums of riches behind it? <laughs> you know what's cheaper than a vault full of riches and gold and gems and jewels a big fucking fancy door uh-huh <laughs> that you tell door. people has gems and jewels and riches behind it <laughs> right right in order to get them to marry you this is crazy this is crazy that danny would even consider this so yeah so i mean she's also she's young and experienced and kind of desperate because right. she has and that's the point of this the only thing she's got is her mystique uh, her dragons and her immense physical beauty; mm-hmm. those are the things that she has got in this world that she's got. To, she's got to work with, and there, it's not a great. It's not a great starting hand. No, I mean she's looking for a boat. Yeah, any boat, any apparently. boat will do. Um, and, and when she finds out that Robert Baratheon is dead, I think it puts a fire under her a little bit. Yeah, because now she has the opportunity to go back without being immediately hunted and, and killed. And they say, like in between this scene and where we get to Eeyore fucking Mormon, that. <laughs> Uh, he, this guy's told her a bunch of current events, like the fact that the kingdom's yeah. in shambles and the usurper's dead, and like uh, Westeros is, in fact, ripe for the picking. Yeah, and a lot of people are trying to pick it. Um, so Danny then goes to Jorah to try to convince him that it's a good deal, but he doesn't trust Duxos, and he volunteers to find her a ship that will take them to Westeros. Yeah, and they have a moment here, an uncomfortable moment, where I think, I mean. Has Danny really been blind to the fact that Jorah loves her this time? Because it, it, it seems like it. it That's seems the way they like play it. it. Uh, and that you know, as soon as she realizes, now I guess the the more interesting question is: Does she have feelings for him? Because mm-hmm. she retreats to this like very proper, like breaks eye contact, uh, conspicuously refers to her as my advisor um, when when she asks for his advice. Uh, but yeah, his counsel is which I, like I said, I agree. 
with with what what the Eeyore here is trying to push. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like the opposite of crazy is still crazy. Bitch, you cannot go to Westeros with one ship and get all of and and and, and get like you know, oh we're just gonna find our allies over there. Why? Because yeah, a Targaryen name. Yeah, come on. No, I mean the the Wait, other name that's going to work on Stannis. No, no, not you, on you, Stannis, you, not on Rob. Right, like, like I, I they felt, don't care. I felt like she. The unfortunate truth is, Danny, like she needs to listen to the the the, the what part of what Eeyore is saying here with mm-hmm. make your own way, which uh, would be eschewing both Duck Sauce and Eeyore's way. But this whole you don't need one ship because you go across there with your three baby uh, Funko pop figure dragons mm-hmm. is is going to carry the day is is stupid. And it I is. I feel like that Jorah probably knows it's stupid, but he is emotionally and intellectually compromised by his love for Danny. Yeah, that's and jealousy. Thing. It's hard to tell where where the line is. Like, does he truly believe this is a bad idea or does he love Danny and not want her to get married off to this guy? Because I feel like a, you know? a, a, a visor with real loyalty would say something like, it's a compelling offer this guy's making. Uh, you just need to make sure that he can deliver the things he can deliver before sure. yeah. you get in. But also maybe consider these other things. Mm-hmm. Like, because it, it also seems, it seems equally foolish to just reject, reject Duck Sauce's offer just on the face of it. Yeah, because if it's legit, I mean that's a pretty good deal—a sham marriage and sharing the power with this to get everything you want. And like, yeah, you know, well, that's that's a pretty damn good offer. Ah, but will she be happy? Well, you know, as a Game of Thrones Married fan, I'll take sauce. it. I I will trade Danny's uh, Danny's <laughs> happiness for her whipping ass in Westeros. Huh. Uh, the tail end of season two. I will take. I take it. Take it right now. Well, at the very least, now she knows that <laughs> Jorah loves her, right? Like there, there is obvious realization here, right? That what he's saying doesn't just come from, you know, his brilliant tactical mind. It's also coming from the heart, which is scary. I think is also scary. It is it's not exactly reassuring. Yeah, and and I think it's scary, scary to Danny because she doesn't really know if that's something that she's interested in or, like, how that complicates things. So, sure. Uh, then we go on to Arya schooling Gendry on how to practice for a fight before they're interrupted by the tickler's body falling from the wall uh, and Jacken giving her a big old thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, he's got the shit-eating grin uh, and an actual eating face and holding up the one finger. <laughs> There's your first one. This wasn't like a particularly big scene. It didn't feel like like this was a big development. It It sort of went out just like on a, oh, okay. Yeah, so he can do the thing he said. Yeah. Although, I mean... It is pretty gruesome because, like, that dude's neck was rotated 180 degrees from where it should be pointing, and yeah. then he got thrown off a tower. Like, I wonder if we're supposed to, like, like what, are we supposed to be impressed with the stealth and the, like, the plausible deniability of the kill? Or, like, because I, I, as I'm watching this scene, I'm thinking, Ghost of Harrenhal, my ass, someone's going to know that this isn't an accident because his head's twisted halfway around. But then again, like maybe that's something that can happen when a body falls from four flights yeah. into a bunch of flagstones. I, 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 I don't know. And maybe. I don't know that what we're supposed to draw. Because like, I could believe anything going into the next episode. Is Tywin going to come in like, what is the meaning of this? We have a fucking spy amongst us. Or is he going to be like, fucking tickler. 
I told him stick to water in the mornings, and fucker <laughs> didn't, and he got drunk and fell off. The, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because it's it's weird if they just showed that he was like a dead like you know but head busted open on his pavement. I'd be like, oh, it looks like an accident. How many Lannisters get sent home for this? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody starts going, oh, ghost of Aaron Hall Tywin, ghost of it, right? Oh, this place Get is haunted. Yeah, the couple, a couple. Sure, they it might is. be sent you home. Go home. <laughs> they might be so sent home minus their head because yeah, I have a distinct feeling that this this like cousin getting sent home to his wife is like a one time offer. Next yeah, guy yeah. pisses him off. He's yeah, this is get, not a get out of jail free card. Yeah. You can't just say, "Oh, yeah. I'm tired." This is my putting, wife this is putting me. the rest of you fuckers on notice uh-huh. that I am not here. Uh, this is this is not my fucking around pants. Especially like, if your name isn't Lannister. Like, oh, if you're yeah. in that group and your name is not Lannister, you are on alert. Yeah, yeah. It would be. It would. Yeah, I would. Uh, if, if I'm not, if my name's not Lannister, that I'm minding my p's and q's. All right, that's the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. Should we do feedback? Let's do it. Hey, before we move on to feedback, I uh, just want to remind everyone that we have a club, club.baldmove.com, which you can join for a certain amount of money. Uh, three lives. Yeah. You have to save three people's lives, and then you get three bonus episodes of podcasts, and you got to go back to saving lives. I hate to tell you. <laughs> uh, I didn't make up the rules. It's a red god. Or you can use your credit card. Uh, that's the hmm. that's okay. that's the e. If you want to if you if you want to avoid paying the iron life saving price. Yeah. You can you can plop down your Visa or MasterCard. I hear you can also do Amazon. Amazon? That's what I've heard. What kind of witchcraft is that? My sources, which is me, uh, told me. Sh- a shadowy Jeff Amazon. Bezos comes and says, payment approved. <laughs> and then he whooshes out your tent. Yep. Uh, well, if you want to truck with that kind of black magic, it's on you. Uh, either way, you end up at club.baldmove.com. You can sign up. You get a bunch of bonus features, so many bonus features. We have video versions of our podcasts. We've got extra uh, audio content that we release every month, extra video content, video game playthroughs, um, ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums. Oh, my God. First-run bald movies where we get all spoilery about stuff we just saw. It's, it's great. Like, you know, you watch a movie that weekend. Uh, who are you going to talk to about it? Your idiot family, your dumbass <laughs> friends, your coworkers. No, no, you want Jim and Aaron to talk wow. about that stuff to you, and we've got, we've got, we've got it. You, we've got you covered, family, uh, at club.baldmove.com. All right, we have a bit of non-spoiler feedback before we get into the spoiler section. We talked a lot this uh, this last week. By the way, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. If you want to send us uh, feedback, um, we've been talking this week and and last, making jokes about the Hour of the Wolf. And John G. wrote in and said, I recently did a full reread of the series, and Gurm never mentions anything about the Hour of the Wolf until around book four and five, which he wrote concurrently. So it appears to be a late idea of his in his book universe. From what I remember, he never clearly states what times those are. It appears to be late at night near to Donish. Near to Dawn-ish. The Dornish? The Dornish, yes. Yes, yes. You can only say it down south. Jon Snow mentions it as being near sunrise. It's also mentioned in the list of other hours. Hours of the Nightingale and Owl, Moonrise and Sunset, Dusk and Dawn, which spurred Aaron to actually look this fucking thing up. And it turns out there's a whole article on it hmm. on the Wiki of Ice and Fire, because of course there is. The known hours to exist are the Hour of the Bat, which is apparently sometime during deep night to early morning, Hour of the Eel that comes just after the Hour of the Bat, <laughs> Hour of Ghosts coming just after the Hour of Eel. Come on, Tywin. If there's no ghosts, why would we have an hour for them? Think, yeah. Tywin. Yeah. Uh, the Hour of the Owl coming a few hours after the Hour of the Bat, still before dawn. Hour of the Wolf, the blackest part of the night, coming after the Hour of the, ni- or the, hour of the Owl. Hmm. And the Hour of the Nightingale coming after the Hour of the Wolf. 
So there Are there no no daytime hours that get names? Jesus, that's next episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got the hour of the jackass who asks about hours. That's that's new. I want to get to the bottom of this. That's I got to know the name for every hour of the day. Uh it reminds me cuz uh, last we should week... do we should design a Westeros watch. Right. <laughs> it doesn't have like numbers, <laughs> it has pictures of animals. And it's it's not even it's not even pictures, it's like those speaking spells where it just like the you know, the hour of the bat goes what is a bat like fop, 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 you know. Uh-huh. Hour of the owl says whoo. Hour of the ghost says spooky spooky. Yeah, that I think that would sell. Mm-hmm. It could just be like one of those skin like you know, they got the golden eye skin for the smart watches. We just Yeah, do... just an app for your smartwatch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's do that. Uh, million dollar idea uh jennifer c i have a question about theon for the rewatch if theon came to starks as a quote-unquote ward does that mean that when he came of age he would have been free to go was balon expecting him to return hmm. to the iron islands at some point and be an heir to that throne or was he ex- required to stay at the starks forever balon on the show seems to have written theon off but i am not clear on whether that is because that's how wards work or because balon is a stubborn jerk or bad father Without understanding that I have a hard time figuring out how much of a plot twist it was that Theon betrayed the Starks or whether it's entirely foreseeable to everyone but the Starks that that would happen. That's a great question, and I had to do a lot of research because there is not uh, – I'd read a lot of different sources and a lot of different discussion stuff on the internet because there's not like a correct answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the, in as much that Martin based this on real – Roman and medieval practices of hostage taking and, and and ward raising. The way it would work is that Theon would essentially be a hostage of the Starks until Balon died, hmm. and then most usually that person would be released to go rule the house. And the benefit is you've had perhaps decades to like the the Romans would take. Um, uh, children from the barbarian chieftains and raise them to essentially be R- Romans. Yeah. And then when their dads died, they'd send them back out. And now all of a sudden, these guys are wearing togas and they've shaved their mustache. Yeah, and it's a form of colonization. It's a form of cultural yeah. colonization. So the idea of I'm going to ensure your good conduct because I'll kill your kid mm-hmm. if if uh, if if you don't comply. And then once you die off, a part of me, uh, you know, I've essentially planted my flag inside your house for all time to come. Yeah. is is pretty compelling. The other um, kind of cool insight is that wards in Game of Thrones are not considered they're they're treated like honored guests, but they're not considered guests. So them no betraying their right family, yeah, them per- betraying their family does not invoke some kind of like guest right betrayal thing because hmm. it's it's like you know, kind of expect that. So I think my reading on this is that Balon has totally written off Theon, yeah, because in my mind, like he knows how this works. He's he's not a Greyjoy anymore. Yeah, you know, and and if he is a Greyjoy, like he's not going to be held hostage by his own son, I guess by by the sure. starks over his own son because his son at that point you know you talk about the the romans and how they did it is essentially a stark yeah no i mean and that's, and, yeah. and once he dies the he doesn't want the iron islands to be ruled by a stark right it does give a little bit more depth to like balon's not does i mean he's still a petulant jerk ass sure, yeah. and he would have been you know a lot smarter to I mean, it seems like the, the smart play would be to back rob, use because because the other thing that I got in my research is I guess if you did a significant act of, of fealty and loyalty that you could win a hostage back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. That like you know pr- do whatever Rob wants you to do, get Theon back, and then you can act with a free hand. Yeah, 
Um, and also you've established, you know, now you've got a clear dominion over your own islands. Like there's a lot of stuff you could do then, but you know, I, I, it, this, this research and this question by Jennifer, I agree with you. I, I think it gives a little bit more depth to the, the machinations that Balon was considering in his head. Yeah. And also that he, you know, like we, we meant it's like, a, he fully expected, uh, Eddard Stark to do this kind of like, you know, cultural destruction, mm-hmm. um, because that's but part and parcel of the custom. So, you know, we know. And how that, could you not? Really? And, and also the thing like, is, is like, I'm not so sure that Ned didn't because like, yeah. as we mentioned, Ned didn't do anything as far as preparing him for what the Iron Islanders are actually like and what their culture actually is. And, and you can't, I mean, living in a different location with a different culture. Right necessarily um influences you right you know you can't be an iron islander in winterfell right and and from ned's perspective he probably like i'm saving you from being an asshole right like this is the best thing that's ever happened to you boy uh you, you could have grown up to been a shithead iron islander and uh, like and then you start i mean i agree with ned there but then you start getting sure. uncomfortable things like that's kind of like what everyone that's ever like that's what happened to <laughs> aboriginal australians that's uh-huh. what happened to you know, First Nations here in America, like, it's always like, oh, well, we're going to save you from your fucking savagery. Right. So we're going to, that's, uh, you know, it's not always, not, not 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 everyone doing that is Ned Stark is what I'm saying. Yeah. And certainly Especially not... when your plan is then to in, install them as the ruler of right. that area and thereby influence everyone who lives there. <laughs> right. Uh, Jason L., this episode adds a lot of mystic elements to the show. Jack and Hagar, Quaith, Bran's Visions... And I suppose the Shadow Baby Man Assassin. Which of these intrigues you the most? I think Jacken. Um, how he's able to essentially promise that he can kill the whatever three people are named. Yeah, that's a big ask of someone. I would think he's certainly cooler. Like he's yeah. essentially like a Westerosi James Bond by this episode. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like Brand's visions might expand the world more. Okay, because if you actually have this uncanny power, like it's it's cool to be a cri- the, to be a crippled boy that can you know remote you know drone pilot his wolf around, but if you can actually predict the future, that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. That's something that as you know, and that, that kind of power and responsibility in a very young boy's body and mind is an intri- is a very intriguing concept. Yeah, I think I think sure. I side with you and Jack, and he's definitely the cooler, more flashier. But like Brand's vision seems like it's more of a game changer. And that is the regular feedback we have. Uh, we okay. will now be going into the spoiler section, uh, which means you probably want to stop listening at this point if you are not caught up with the books and or the show. Right. So if you're caught up with the show, you probably are fine because the show is way far beyond the book. So just come, 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 come. Uh, don't be afraid. But if you're if you're not caught up on the show or you haven't, if you're absolute purist about book spoilers influencing your 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 show enjoyment then then maybe give this next section a pass otherwise send in feedback game of thrones at baldmove.com and we'll see you for more non-spoiler thoughts next week all right that's it for this week um see everybody who's not doing spoilers next week until then i'm jim i'm aaron see ya and we're back with the spoilers um dragon count still stands at 0.5 0.5 yeah because we got the my Uh, dragons last episode yeah the previous previously Uh, on stuff is gonna be what we're watching for are you watching those the previously ons no i'm are you not. skipping those oh shit are you watching them no uh on second watch i accidentally let one play hmm. so because they yeah i but... 
I was taking notes at the end of this episode all throughout the credits, and it just rolled to the next episode. It didn't actually show yeah. a preview. So you have to actually, I think, go to extras and 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 watch them. Or, or mm, I'm not sure I'm what not triggers sure. them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I guess maybe, maybe hi, yeah, fuck it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I want to talk about a couple things. Uh, yeah. I like the... I like the introduction of Quaith, but they don't really do anything with her. Like in Quaith the books, is the masked woman. Quaith is the jeweled mask wearing woman, okay. and in the books, she delivers a bunch of warnings and kind of prophecies uh, that we're going to be talking about here a little bit in more depth. The the Danny in the show they don't, and I wonder if it's they were hedging their bets because this season came, was made before Dance of Dragons even had dropped. I think Dance huh. of Dragons dropped right before this season, or immediately after, or maybe even d- during it. Um and and it just feels like the double D's maybe like covering her bases like uh this might be an important character so let's at least introduce her and have her say right. some mystical mumbo jumbo and then that way we can have her on to previously on when we pull her out of ass in season seven <laughs> I, I I feel like that this just there's a lot of that stuff and when 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 George stopped writing they just started taking the red line through and like okay well we don't need <laughs> fucking Quentin. Uh, which means we can we can abandon this dumpster fire of a Dorn plot, mm-hmm. and we don't we're not going to do the young Griff. Which means like, why do we even need Quaith now? I'd get rid of her. Like there, there's a lot of editing ripples that go through, but it's it's too bad because I think she's going to be a somewhat important character in the book because mm-hmm. she 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 gives Danny a lot of this mystical advice. She comes back later in when she's ruling as Marine and Danny is like having visions of her as she's almost dying from dysentery out in uh, out in the fields after she escapes the fighting pits of Drogon. So, huh. Yeah, they I I honestly didn't like I remembered the character, but I didn't remember anything she did right. from my previous watches. So. I think she shows up one more time and she yeah. might say something cryptic about Danny's path. Or like they might have yeah. a little bit of that prophecy, but certainly not of the like the the Mummer's Dragon stuff that we're about to talk about. Hmm. And the other thing is, um I couldn't help but watch when Tyrion was doing all the stuff of the Pyromancer and we talked about how there's like a couple steps maybe missing from the full intrigue that in the books Tyrion's big trick is the big secret that he's working behind the scenes is he's 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 having this giant chain manufactured. Yeah. And throughout the whole book, you're reading what the fuck he's going to do with his giant chain. And what it is is after Stannis sails his whole fleet into Blackwater Bay, there's this enormous winch house that winches that chain to about three feet over the water. Mm-hmm. And then he unleashes the wildfire. Um, and that's like his sister's always trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Why are you having all of our armors build the chain? And it, it, it's, I guess, fundamentally more interesting than Tyrion finds out his sister's doing something with wildfire and steals ha- the the part of her plot that makes sense, uh-huh. burning Stannis and <laughs> changes the you know the the delivery system. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure why they why they cut the chain. Yeah, I mean the chain would have been so fucking cool. It seems like he, a cool idea. Maybe they he, were worried that the stuff they were going to do with the wall later was a little too similar. Like with that that big oh, there's side no or whatever way they got. thought about that side at the time they were writing an episode. I, it's always been like, it, wait, what is that if? an addition that? Oh yeah, that shit never is not I mean, in the books. No, 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 no. Maybe they were like, oh fuck, we missed the boat on this chain thing. Right. Let's put it on the wall instead. Yeah, or that's like you know, or then it's like, well, we know because again, I don't even think they thought about dredging the dragon out of the 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 ice water either. So, huh? 
I yeah, but I thought it, I always thought like the whole season I was like, oh man, it's gonna be such a cool visual when they crank that thing out of the water and you realize that Stannis is like, it's like this it's trapped, is the trap. Yeah. It's it's been sprung and they just never do it. Huh? It's too damn bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I uh, did like um, Lancel swearing in the light of the seven. I thought that was interesting considering his future path. Yeah. Uh, nice little touch there. I don't know if that's intentional foreshadowing or if it's just. You know, well, this is part of his well, character. Well, it also makes sense because, you know, like, I know there's a lot of people said, man, his his character arc is a little extreme. But I feel like that if Lancel is sitting there pondering his life, he's, he's a good candidate for religious conversion because all of the yeah. things he's done to pursue his vanity and his lust and his, has led him to these bad, bad paths. Mm-hmm. Where he has to betray his family, and where he's got this demonic monkey guy, you know, pulling the strings, and you know, a, a, a young guy like that with the right kind of, uh, you know, re- religious zeal that's instilled in him with a, a charismatic leader is exactly the kind of guy who would fall for a cult like that. Like, well, shit, maybe, maybe all these bad decisions are instead of just like, hey, you fucked up, made a bunch of bad decisions. Like, oh no, you've you've angered the gods, and that's why your life hasn't turned out the way it is, <laughs> right? Anyway. And we also, I think, from time to time question, like, what are Bran's powers? Can he see the future? Clearly, he can dream about events that have not yet happened. Yes. And that's interesting considering, like, what his power level is in in level seven, season seven, compared (laughs) to his relatively low power level here, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, does that say something about what Bran is able to do with his newfound raven powers? Well, I guess the real question I'd have is, are these powers that Bran has manifest control over, or are these, or is he a, a receiver that gets the message that... From the Three-Eyed Raven, but he's... Some, some supernatural entity wants him to see. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I granted, that kicks the can down a little bit, but I think it's an important yeah. distinction to know... What are powers of Bran the boy slash man, and what mm-hmm. are the powers of either the three eyed raven or the mystical power that he's dry, that 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 he's getting that inspiration, like the Lord of Light or whatever the oh, flip yeah. side of the Lord of Light? Exactly, I was going go to that guy. Somewhere. That guy, like like Bran, has a set of motivations and things that I can understand. Whereas yeah. the you know the old gods or whatever, they are ineffable at this point, right? And we have seen that they work in the more mysterious ways, you know, like the visions that Melisandre has. She doesn't ask for those visions. She doesn't Mm -hmm. go out and, like, say, hey, I want to see this specific thing. She's just given what she gets. And pointedly, she gets gets a lot of her interpretations wrong. And, like, you know, the other thing is, like, of what use is for telling the future if you don't understand the prophecy until it's already occurred? Sure. Like, like, Bran, I mean, I, I get it for here. It's like, you know, this is a, like a puzzle that you could kind of figure out. Oh, the drowned yeah. men and all that. And especially if you're a watcher of the show, you can, right. you have you more can, pieces. You can realize that. But, you know, he's like, okay, well, I got these visions and they mean something. Like, it's, it's the Nostradamus thing, right? Like, if you say enough weird cryptic shit, it, anything can mean anything retrospectively. Mm-hmm. So the real question is, at what point will these actually... Uh, will he actually see something that is going to be of value to the allies? That's going to right. have some kind of predictive, um, strategic value? Because we yeah. don't haven't seen any any evidence of that. No, the stuff about John is not really strategic. Yeah, because a lot as a lot of people pointed out in season seven, like 
I think Bran was seeing future events, like when he he was seeing the the Night's King at the at the lake and at that 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 weird hmm. uh, mountain, the arrowhead shaped yeah. mountain. He just didn't understand the significance of it, and he didn't know if it was in the past or future or what. Right. Like if he had seen that and realized the significance, he could have warned John, but he didn't. So, is season eight? Are we actually going to see this power be actually useful? Mm-hmm. That's that's a big question. All right, and that's all I've got for uh, spoilery stuff. All right, well, let's get to, to let's get to the feedback then. All right, uh, Joe M says I'm currently in the middle of a dance with dragons. There's a particular prophecy given by Quaith to Daenerys. Oh, bringing it back to Quaith. Prior to her meeting with Tyrion, the quote reads: "Hear me, Daenerys Targaryen. The glass candles are burning. Soon comes the pale mare, and after her the others: Kraken and Dark Flame, Lion and Griffin, the Sun's Son and the Mummer's Dragon. Trust none of them. Remember the Undying." Beware the perfumed seneschal. Given this information, I'm wondering if Tyrion is the betrayer. Some people suspect him to be. If not in the show itself, maybe in the books. Uh, do you remember, like, we talked about this prophecy about eight episodes ago. Sure, <laughs> a lot of people were speculating seven. that it might be Varys as well. Right, because he because literally perfumes, is. Yeah. Uh, essential is essentially like a steward or a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, but to his point, uh, Tyrion, when he goes across the Narrow Sea... He's taking a ship called the Celesori Corhan, which translates yep. into Fragrant Stewart. Ha! Okay. Uh, Interesting. So that's kind of cool. But the mm-hmm. rest of this, like the prophecy, it's like a, there's a lot of cool stuff that's already come to pass. Like the glass candles are burning. That's a reference to the magical obsidian candles that the maesters make their acolytes stay in a room with um, to try to to try to light and and. The maesters have retconned this as to a a, a, a teach a, a teaching of humility that you can't do everything right, and they've apparently missed the fact that in olden times these candles actually were lit through some magical process, and now It'd be great if Sam discovered that and got him to light. Well, he might, he might, because yeah. that master Marwin, who's kind of like the warlock of the Citadel, has been been studying this shit, and he's he wants to meet Danny at the end of uh, book five. Uh, soon comes the pale mare, that is the dysentery that sweeps. It's there's so many calamities in the books to fuck on happen to the marine and and one of them is this this disease rages through the city um cracking and dark flames referring to uh victarian and his smoking right-handed doom uh lion and griffin uh talking about uh, i'm pretty sure the lannisters and griffin are the you know references the griff the guy who's the protector of uh, the young Aegon, perhaps the fake Aegon, the son's son. That's Quentin Martell. Uh, that's that's Dor- Prince Doran's son. The Martell's house symb- sigil is the the sun spear, uh, and the Mummer's dragon. And a lot of people think the Mummer's dragon, meaning the the fake dragon, the puppet dragon, is actual that young Griff, that uh, that the Aegon Targaryen. Uh, so yeah, and beware to perfume sensual. There's a lot of people that could mean. Um, Tyrion is definitely on the list, and and whether it's a red herring or not, I don't know. I got as soon as I saw the the translation of that uh, trading ship, I'm like, God damn! And also, <laughs> you know, if we're honest, they're they're sowing a little bit of seeds of discontent with Tyrion in season seven, so maybe he is one of the betrayers. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, how much is that going to influence the show? Right, like because honestly. I know it sounds like a dumb thing to say, but I don't care about the books because I haven't read the books. No, you're not. I'm not going to read the say. books. It's interesting to see, I guess, how they inform the show. Yeah. Like, could they, 
without going into all the detail of young Griff and, and right. uh, Quentin and all, like all these other characters who aren't, don't even exist mm-hmm. in the show, could they still be getting around to the same conclusion? Well, that's what a and lot I of... Think the answer is definitely yes. We've seen a lot of that happen. And when you see John take the name of Aegon, uh, you know, as we discussed the the, the Toby, um, yeah, I, a lot of people think that maybe some of the whatever drama between this this Mummer's Dragon that's that's foretold to happen between the, him and Dr- and Danny that some of that's going to be laid on to John because they want yeah. to hit the same beats like that's and they're using the same name. It's like that's the whole reason we still talk about the books because everyone takes as a matter of kind of faith and maybe we're wrong on that as people sometimes email to point out that you know we think that certain prophecies that are not in the show they're still going to be true in the books so to the extent that you know let's say if Tyrion kills Cersei in the show is 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 Jaime going to kill her in the books like Mm -hmm. big things like that no one thinks are going to be different there's no real reason that we think that sure because it could be that the double d's are like you know what Fuck you and your bullet points, old man. We're going to take this wherever we want to go. <laughs> uh-huh. That would be shocking. It would be. And when the books come out, like, very controversial and, and shocking. But mm-hmm. it could be true. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to Jason from Milwaukee. Correct me if, it, if I'm wrong, as it's been a long time since I've read the books, but I remember pretty clearly it was actually the Starks that took Heron Hall and Rob leaves Roose Bolton in charge. This is who Arya actually serves rather than Tywin. Hmm. I always wondered why they changed this, and it came down to one of two things in my mind. Roos does some really strange things. His leeches, his flaying. Is it possible that they didn't want to reveal that this was a very odd dude, which in turn makes the Red Wedding more of a shocker? Or two, did they just want to do more with Charles Dance? I personally think the actor <laughs> who plays Roos, sorry I forget his name, was also great, but wasn't the strong screen presence that Dance was. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think it's both. Because yeah. you're right, they set up Roos to be this creepy, not very stark guy, like like more of a traditional villain where you can certainly see that, that Rob doesn't agree with his methods, but there's nothing that hints that the Boltons are bad news until until Ramsey shows up. Yeah. So and then also I think yeah, Charles Dance is awesome and he has really good good chemistry with Maisie and they uh, I, I don't think they knew that when like they cast and all and, and all that, but maybe they did because they had Charles Dance in season one. They knew what they had in Maisie Williams. Maybe like, hey, we want to see these two play together. Um, but whatever, I think is one of the most inspired book changes because it plays so well this season. Yeah. Uh, any other analysis? Um. So why is it? I'm questioning why it's interesting to have Arya serving Roos. Well, I mean, I don't think it's why interesting. is that interesting? It's just that, like, that's what <laughs> that's what uh, the gardener Martin came up with. Okay, <laughs> I, I think I mean, it's way more else... interesting to have her in the belly of the beast. Like, you're right, everything... far more interesting. But but there's a lot of other because, like, for various reasons, Arya doesn't feel safe with Roos, and she still maintains this kind of because you're right, like. Mm. You know, there's the essential problem that the Arya could have told Roos that, "Hey, I'm Arya Stark. Get me back to like." Yeah, and 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 Roos probably would have complied at this stage because why it would wouldn't be, he? He's on Rob's side, and it'd also be a really fucking giant risk for him to just off Arya. Yeah. So, but you know, a lot of Arya's story is identical. It's just they they the, the crucial substitution is they they took out Roos and they put in Tywin. Yeah, I think that's a smart change. Yeah. 
I wonder, like, uh, I bet Martin would agree with you, too. Huh. I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Uh, Rick says, regards to John being named Aegon, I know this is off the wall, but what if, and it's a big if, John in the books is really dead dead? He's not coming back, and being Kit is very popular for the viewers. The Double Ds decided to bring him back to life and interject his plot with the How? Young Griff storyline. Oh, my God. That's a huge change. Um, I mean, so there's more to this email, but that's essentially the plot, the point. Yeah. I don't know because there's just so much foreshadowing of John being important, if not just Azora High outright, mm-hmm. that preoccupies the first five books like the book sing with this this all these hints about his parenthood and the his true lineage and his his uh uh you know for christ's sake melisandre keep seeing him instead like every time she prays for a glimpse of azora high the fucking tower of joy stuff like right where is that all going if john's just totally eliminated right and there's even like even in the books martin introduces a lot of mechanisms for john to be brought back to life like there's the whole uh i forget the weimer six skins or maybe it's weimer six he's a wildling that um they introduced the concept of the second life like when a skin changer gets old and dies a lot of times they'll transfer to consciousness into like a bear or a wolf or whatever to Mm -hmm. to continue having some form of life um and you know they 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 show this guy like you know leaping to a he tries to leap into a person as he's dying and he's not strong enough, and the the person goes insane and rejects him and, like, tears up their face, and he's forced to enter a wolf instead. But you get the idea that maybe if someone was a more powerful warg that he could do that. And, hmm. and you know, the the close relationship that John has with ghosts, there's a lot of popular speculation that John's going to pop into ghost consciousness, and that was going to be the way – because Martin always says when you come back to life, you're a lesser version of yourself. Yeah. Well, if – if he combines the resurrection powers of Melisandre with the Stark warging powers, it's like there is the ghost as a refrigerator theory. Right. That like yeah, it's got to keep John's soul fresh, mm-hmm. uh, winter fresh. And then when he, he when when the body's brought back, that he can fully come back. And I feel like the show has done that too because you never heard John. Maybe he said it once or twice. But there's no evidence that John's any less John than he was at the beginning. Right. Certainly not in the same way that Barrick's always going on and on about. Yeah. And he's missing an eye. Like, yeah. There's a lot of things Barrick's got. John's got are... the giant hole in his heart, but, you know, yeah, he's still pretty. Yeah, does that really slow you down? He's still pretty. I mean, losing an eye, that affects your depth perception, like, yeah. physical attributes like that. So, again, I mean, I take it as a matter of faith, and that 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 you, that you that word is, is chosen deliberately, that they're not going to do something like that, where Jon Snow's dead in the books no. after... Dance with Dragons and is not around the next two books, and they that would inv- shock me. They've invented a romance and all this other stuff. Like I just, I just don't buy it. Especially since I don't think Young Griff is going to get anywhere near sniffing Danny in that mm-hmm. same way. Um, because the other thing is, people saying that's like, why else have Quaith and all these? If, if Danny's going to be ignorant about her own fucking future when so many people have tried with so many methods to warn her about it. Then why the hell even have her exposed to that? Like, I fully expect at some point Danny's going to be like, you know what, you know what, uh, this shit didn't make sense to me when I first heard it, but I've been around the block a few times. You're the fucking mummer's dragon, Dracaris. Um <laughs> Because again, why, why yeah. have her cued into her own prophecy if you know every time she steps into a puddle of dog shit, Quaith can come in and magic be like, "I told you to avoid the dog shit, and here you are with a poopy foot." I mean, that's 
What a twist. All right, James from New Zealand. From what I can tell, the White Walker armor does stop Dragonglass. In Season 6, Episode 5, The Door, during uh. the assault on Bran's creepy hobbit hole by the Night King and company, one of the children stabs a White Walker in the chest with a Dragonglass spear. The spear doesn't penetrate the armor, and the White Walker swats the spear away, then cuts her down. Mira then grabs another spear and throws it, which looks to hit the White Walker in the neck. Boom, frosty sprinkles, and a White Walker blows up. Huh, Okay. The thing that doesn't really make sense is the armor disintegrates in the same way the walker yeah. does, which would make you think they're one and the same. But in the scheme of things, that doesn't make sense in the show. I consider it a minor nitpick. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, that's a thing. Like, you know, when the Invisible Man, well, no, that doesn't make no, sense. No, his clothes, his clothes still show up. up. Yeah. yeah. But like Sue Storm, Fantastic Four, she goes invisible right. and it's not her, her suit. She doesn't is... take her spandex off. Now, yeah. Shit, I'm pretty sure... Could be some, like, re- developed technology. Yeah, I'm pretty her. sure Master Fantastics invent- made her invisible clothes or something. I, right. I, yeah. Well, shit, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> but still, you know, is Superman's clothes... Like, yeah, they even got... They got a reason. They, 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 these comic book nerds are smart. They, they, got, they got a reason for all their bullshit stuff. Like, you yeah. know, it all, it all tracks out if you, if you read their Wikipedia article. Um, Amy Inn. Two cast ago, you were discussing if Sansa married Tyrion, and would Tyrion be okay with their potential son being a Stark instead of a Lannister? As it happens, I just read uh, finished reading a section of book two when Ygritte was taken as Jon's prisoner. Jon asked her to tell him a story, and she tells him it, what she claimed as true history, of a time when hundreds of years ago there had been another king beyond the wall, and the current Stark of Winterfell challenged this king's bravery. She goes on to tell how this king tricked the Stark by posing as a singer and stealing his only child, his daughter. The story ends with the Stark old and dying and his daughter returning with a son suckling at her breast. He was now the new Stark in Winterfell, even though the daughter was a Stark and not the father. So this is Bale the Bard story hmm. um, that also has a fulfillment. Oh, man, there's so much difference in the books and the show. Because the, the, the books, Mance doesn't die. In fact, right. he leads a commando raid to Winterfell that the Boltons are see or that they're now living in, and 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 to, to, to ostensibly try to rescue Arya, which isn't even Arya. It's all fucking bizarre. Um, so she continues, if this is true, it could be a precedent of sorts when a daughter is the last living descendant. They continue the line through the mother instead of the father. Or I could just be wishing it be true because I've always wished Sansa could have seen how amazing Tyrion was and fall in love with him. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ever contradict a shipper. Yeah. Um and honestly I I mean I keep I agree with you except for the modern Aaron is in there like yo Sansa was 13 when she was married to Tyrion and Tyrion's clearly sexually attracted to her and it's just kind of creepy and weird and can you ever can you ever see past all that to to have them be happy in the books and or show and I don't know if I can. Hmm. I don't know if I can. Okay. But um I can. You can? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I don't Jim, know if it's a consequence of not having super read. Super cool. Don't know if it's. Child brides. Because I haven't read. Well, she's not a child anymore. Right. According to the show. I don't yeah, know. She's actually aged in the show where in the books they're all still very young. Yeah. Very young. So that's the thing. I don't think it was nearly as creepy in the show as it probably was portrayed in the books. Because he didn't really seem to have that sexual attraction to her in the show. That's true. He was when they were married. Stoic. Yeah. He was more like, yeah, we're just. We're not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, because in the books, my memories are that he, like, 
kind of was going to go through with the bedding ceremony and mm-hmm. he's like on the bed and he's a bit he sees how like kind of terrified she is of him and says i yeah i can this isn't who i am now you're going to force myself on this plus he had the whole you know as in the show he had the whole issue with like shay being wroth with him mm, right for lusting after the girl um but yeah no i mean like i said like and the other thing is Everybody's got to get through, keep continuing beating through their heads that all this lineage and name shit is just to preserve the peace. Yeah. Like it it gives society a framework and a continuity so shit doesn't descend into civil war every single time a king dies or a lord dies, which is what would happen without this completely artificial social structure of these, these families having the rights to rule over ancestral lands. Mm-hmm. So. In a situation with Game of Thrones where the table has been flipped and everything's in shambles, none of that shit matters. None of that shit matters. They will find a way to tell a story to make itself work. I can already see the Northerns like, well, it's Bail the Bard, essentially. Bail the Bard Part 2. <laughs> and everything's everyone's cool with it because else, yeah. what are you going to do? Bleed the realm again? No. Um, moving on to Dara. Unless you had, you, it seemed like you had another thought. Okay, nope. Dara S. I've noticed in several scenes over the seasons that individuals in the southern kingdoms who are heads of their respective houses wear sashes like the draped piece of fabric over one shoulder. You can notice this on Randall Tarley in Season 7, Tywin in Season 2 when he arrives at the Battle of Blackwater. Even Daenerys appears to wear something similar in certain formal settings. Is this meant to serve as a designation they're heads of their houses? Is Jesus. this a southern custom or just a coincidence? You want to talk about falling down rabbit holes of bullshit that's just completely arbitrary and made up. Formal attire. Should we talk about table manners? Should we talk about like which dish is supposed to be eaten with which utensil? Because those formalities are complex and, well, and and just like completely ridiculous in my mind. In 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 an unfortunate case of Game of Thrones, like Martin, anytime he describes dress and garb, it's the most flamboyant, rinfest kind of shit that you can imagine. Oh, like yeah. imagine Henry the Eighth. Oh Jesus! Like the big puffy <laughs> sleeves and, and the yeah. and the giant frills and the weird ass dresses <laughs> and the extreme hair. Like he's always doing shit. Like having a dude show up with a gold ring through his nose and purple hair and a forked beard and <laughs> platinum teeth and like it's always weird weird shit like yeah. look at some of the foreign editions of game of thrones the covers and see like how mm. some of these depictions are and what they're wearing it's like crazy crazy fakey looking costume shit yeah. and uh game of thrones has gone with more of um, a modern realistic rugged armor kind of take for this stuff yeah Um, but there's still that layer of like this is what you're supposed to wear when you're in this setting and you're of this stature right like all of that stuff is totally lost on me i could not give one crap about it yeah so now they could be like i said they could be trying to do that with the show like just showing these sashes or some kind of badge of office sure yeah Uh, that's kind of visual language they're establishing but there's no Uh basis on it and any kind of history or any kind of book stuff that I that I can determine. Hmm. Uh, Costa M, I have a question about White Harbor. Is it safe to say that North has a navy and it resides there? Could the navy still reside there and be available to John now for future needs? What are your thoughts? Are there any reference to this in the show or books that I may have missed? Um, so, in the second book, which I believe is Clash of Kings, it might be Storm. I get those confused all the time. Uh Lord Manderley comes up to uh, Rob and he says, 
I think now that you're king of the north, we should mint your own coin and use that and let me pay uh, or let me build this massive fleet hmm. for you. Okay. And then I will, within if you give me the money I need within a year's time, I will make a fleet that can dash both the Lannister and the uh, Baratheon fleets, and we can take King's Landing. And and Rob's kind of like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and when I first read that, I remember thinking, here's this rich northern lord trying to take advantage of the young king and being charged of minting the money and building like this boondoggle fleet, and he's going to be bleeding. Like I thought that was part of the intrigue. But then, you know, a lot of things happen. Red Wedding happens, uh, like all the stuff. And then in Book 5, uh, you know, there's a scene between Davos and Manderly where Davos comes to White Harbor to kind of like, you know, Stannis, this is Stannis's move to try to consolidate the northern lords to his side. And Davos sees this, this like impressive fleet of warships. And Manderly reveals that ever since the death of Rob and Ned, that he's been building up his strength and he's got all these mounted horse and like the fucking North will remember. We're going to fuck these guys, but good. And it's like, yes, yes. Like I've been waiting for three books and finally (laughs) someone's doing something about these fuckers. Um, However, none of that shit's in the books or none of that shit's in the show. So, and I don't think... I thought the fleet they had was Danny's. Yeah. That was my impression. Or, like, Stannis' original one that he bought from... Okay. uh, Bravos. And the thing is, is, like, the Double Ds have long since stopped caring about any of that shit. So if if John and Danny need a fleet, by God, they'll have a fleet. Yeah. If they need a fucking (laughs) earth-moving bridge contraption, like, from Westworld, they'll fucking have one. Like... Right. I mean... Yeah, they they don't they don't need it. They can if they if, you know fucking Euron needs a thousand ships in like six weeks. He'll get a thousand ships in six weeks. It, and none of this stuff matters That's anymore. True. And I'm not I'm not like I think I think going forward I'm gonna have a very hard and fast rule of like I'm not nitpicking this stuff anymore because yeah, it's kind of a you shame. You can do it in every in some single episode. Yeah, it's it's know? certainly. Because that's those are kind of the things that I loved about Game of Thrones was the attention to detail, um, and. and you know, when you lose track of it as a viewer, you have faith that the show has not lost track of it and that they will reintroduce it at some point if it's important. No, yo, it's it's really poisonous to a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it's, you know, there's there's only a, there's a small segment of the fandom that really cares about the geographic integrity and the travel distance and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the results are in 100 million people love that shit they, they like the dragons they like the spectacle and they will trade five ten minutes of per season of expository dialogue that would smooth those over in favor of more ice dragons yeah so, so. <laughs> uh that's just that's just the way it is uh christy as i'm rewatching and listening along with you guys i've struck with a thought do you feel like the starks ever got revenge for ned's death most of the major players in his death are deceased now true, but do you feel satisfied like he's been truly avenged? I personally feel like Littlefinger's death was incredibly satisfying, but by the time he'd met his end, he'd done so much horrible stuff, his role in Ned's death felt like some just another bullet point on his list Oh crap <laughs> We've gotten satisfaction for other Stark injustices, the Red Wedding, Dion's betrayal, Rickon's death. But do you think this is something that the general season 8 audience would still like to see happen? Is revenge for his death still relevant to the plot? Or has it already been satisfied and I just missed it? Yeah, not, not really for Ned so much. I, I It's tough, too, because I don't feel as strong of a connection to him as some other characters, you know? Especially since, you know, his any kind of, like, revenge or vengeance they would have got 
for Ned has been so long delayed after his death right. that it's hard to really feel that anger about Ned's death that mm-hmm. happened in season one, you know? Um, when you're in season five and and people are looking to get their throats slit or whatever for it, it's like, do I do I really care about that anymore? I'm much more interested in, like, Arya slitting Walder Frey's throat or, right. like, for as vengeance for Rob and, like, those kinds of things. So I, I don't feel like, as a viewer, I'm as concerned with getting vengeance for Ned anymore. And there's not... Who would you get vengeance on now? Yeah, at this point, so many of them have died. Because even Cersei wasn't responsible for Ned's death. Right. She, I mean, it, it's, it's essentially Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Joffrey and Littlefinger... Were the one were the ones that are most responsible for that, and they're yeah. both dead. So, mm-hmm. um, I think you know the way I try to live my life is the best revenge is a life well lived. So I think that Ned, like our hope for vengeance for Ned, will see his children, the ones that survive anyway, prosper and return and and help rebuild the realm in the way that would make him proud. And I feel like that that's that thread's going to be intact because. Out of Bran, Arya, Sansa, and Jon, I would be willing to make extravagant types of bets that at least one of them will live. And they keep coming back to missing their father and remembering the lessons that he... I, I feel like that sure. one of the, the bittersweet endings will be uh, those children that are left remaining continuing his legacy of honor and duty to his people. And yeah. um, that will be the sweet revenge that we as the audience get that the, the people that were selfish and, and venal and uh, greedy and uh, are, are disposed of. And we have like the, the, the Ned and the end in the long run, his, his philosophy and his way of life ends up being on top. Yeah. I think there are certainly other people who have gotten their just desserts more than the people who killed Ned, like a Ramsey Bolton or, right. You know, Walder Frey, Joffrey. Sure, I mean Joffrey yeah. strangling to death is uh, is as a little bit of vengeance. Now it wasn't, or even Ford. like Stannis, like with Brienne, right? Um, getting to put the final sword through him. Yeah, that was a good one. That yeah. was like the best. That was one of the best between that and Arya killing Walder Frey, um, and Sansa with Ramsay and Marin Trant. Honestly, like yeah. those were some really yeah. good. Those are some really good ven- vengeance. Scenes, but none of them were about Ned, right? None of them were about <laughs> Ned directly, but yeah. uh, I think he would still uh, it would bring a smile on his face from the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't, yeah. Know how his statue, be if you go underground, Arya stabbing dude's eyes out and whatnot, he might <laughs> wince at that a bit. Yeah, maybe. Can't argue the results though. Brett G. Hey guys, I'm reading through the books now, halfway through Storm of Swords, and going through the season one episodes of the podcast after a coworker turned me on to, during season seven. Well, welcome. This may have been covered somewhere, maybe in a season two rewatch, which I'm not up to yet, but I had thought about the Miller's wife and the two boys, Theon Byrne, pass off as Bran and Rickon. Theon is around 2021 20, at this point, if I remember right, and he had laid with the Miller's wife in the past. Any chances that one of the boys, specifically the younger one, might have been Theon's bastard son? Boy, the it's a relevant Miller's question wife? because in... So, you blink and you missed it, but in this show, Bran agrees to send two orphan children to the Miller... Well, I think he's a shepherd in this to to help watch his flocks. To per- oh, are these the two boys these that are, the are going to get burned? Okay. That are in the, in the, end up getting getting murdered when gotcha. when uh, Theon, out of frustration, can't find Bran and his uh, brother Rickon. Hmm. 
Um, but you're right. In the books, uh, these are the Millers' natural-born sons, and there is a strong implication that one of these is is, the, is, is possibly Theon's children. Hmm. It's never said. It's just an implication, which then implies that he is a kinslayer uh, as a list of crimes. Uh, the, he's already got a list of crimes a mile long at this point, <laughs> but he's also a kinslayer on top of it. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, is like, it's an interesting thought, but it doesn't really change the story at all. No, it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere with and that. And there is no conclusive, like, there's no Maury Povich-style DNA test. It's just yeah. their ages line up, and if you want, if it gives you an extra, like, oh, Christ, to think about it, and you find that pleasant, then by all means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't think, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's even provable at this point. Uh, James F., this might be one of the questions that can't be answered, but just like uh, if Theon's fathered and murdered a bastard child. But do you think Danny's story would be stronger if she'd been introduced into the story a bit later? She does a lot of hmm. wheel spinning, mainly, I think, because we have to wait for the dragons to grow up. But more and more, I've been wondering if her character would have been better serviced if she had come in downstream. I don't know, man. She has so much to learn. I mean, that's that's the thing that being a book watcher... Book watcher? <laughs> Being a show watcher yeah, you only, just, you just watch them on the shelf. I'm not going to pick them up. I'll just, just, <laughs> yeah. They look nice over there. They do. They look. <laughs> they look at peace. I don't want to do a good job them. holding the shelves down. They just uh, fly off if they weren't there. That's the thing. I never felt like Danny was just spinning her wheels for the sake of spinning wheels. I feel like she was learning not lessons. even a little bit. I mean, I. Th- I mean, maybe from time to time, like here and there, but like overall, it's very clear she has a ton of stuff to learn before she's even close to fit to go over to Westeros. Yeah. And she has so many people that she has to meet and learn lessons from. I just I just think that takes time and if you're going to portray it in any kind of realistic fashion, you need you need to do it over years. Yeah, no, I mean I agree that that's something cuz th- this is where like I kind of wonder if I've contaminated you a bit because after reading Dance's Dra- Dance of Dragons and being like, what the fuck? Seriously? Seriously. Danny has been stuck in here and there's this fucking mare and now she's riding off with Drogon and like, okay, fine. Like, okay, at the end of this book, I can kind of squint and see her getting to Westeros. I was really frustrated. Hmm. Um, and then I read some online stuff about, like, they kind of delved into all the different things that she goes through in those two books and, like, the the path that she goes on and... And, you know, as as emotionally satisfying as it would have been for her to fight out a Karth with a ship and a good captain and three smallish dragons. And, right, her dragons aren't ready. Like, I mean, as satisfying as it would be to see her bring fire and blood and live up to someone's promises, like, it would have been super unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be young adult fiction. It'd be, she'd be Katniss Everdeen. And, and I think it would also equally be bad if you were to try to imply that all this stuff was happening behind the scenes and that she was a young girl learning lessons, but we never saw any of that. Right. And then we join up with her when she's got the dragons and she's got the ships and she's ready to breathe the fire. Yeah. Um, Cause we don't follow her on that journey, you know? Yeah. I, I no, think you need to. I, I wonder if you couldn't compress it a little bit. The one thing is like, Maybe. I think you need to introduce her early because I did think it was interesting, the machinations as far as, you know, Robert Baratheon trying to kill her and that meaning friction between him and Ned. And also like that, you know, that that you deepen that appreciation when you realize that Ned is also harboring a fugitive Targaryen. And uh-huh. he's he's as yeah. he's in his mind like that. That that's that's pretty weighty. And then the betrayal that she uncovers from Jorah, like all they kind of have to be along for the ride to feel all that. Like, I agree. I think you could take a book's worth of Danny's development and throw it the fuck away huh. and still have almost all of 
her necessary plot line intact. Um, okay. But I also think, like, I definitely don't agree that if she had flown over for at the end of book two that and started j- joining the Game of Thrones, it would have been satisfying at all. No, so, no, no. Those dragons have to be much bigger. And that's that's more of, like, it's not just her. Like, I do think that Martin probably could could prob could easily get a half a book's worth of stuff out of the la- out of feast and dance and we'd all be the better for it. Hmm. But that's my opinion. It's not a widely held or respected one. It's just mine. Uh Amy T, in the Dragon Pit when John is demonstrating how fire and dragon glass are the only things that can kill the whites and others, why did he forget to mention the Valerian steel? I get that there aren't many Valerian blades, but three of them were there in the Dragon Pit, Longclaw, Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale. It's a huge oversight on John's part to not point out one of the very few ways to stop this existential threat. Maybe he didn't want to reveal the secret. Well, that's what he, you know, think. he knows they got Flaring Steel. Uh, that's that's a fine point. I don't know why. Huh. Yeah, I mean, if there's so few, if there's less than 100 in the entire world at this point. Valerian Steel Swords? Yeah. Is it is it a big omission? Yeah, if you can't get them in bulk, what's the point? Even and you I guess, can't, and is... you have no idea, you have no way to produce more. Whereas yeah. there is a readily mined source. Like I, I don't know. I, I think for sure, if I was John, I would throw that in just for completeness' sake. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's the fatal, it's the fatal oversight that that uh, you're you're wanting it to be, Amy. Um, again, I could be I could be wrong, but. And it, 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 it's kind of like, oh, the only way you can stop the aliens with a nuclear bomb, and it's 1945, and we only had two, and we just dropped them on Japan. <laughs> right. Like, okay, like, if if you can stop aliens with nuclear weapons or coal, mm-hmm. like, it'd be, oh, I'd be okay with the presidential briefing leaving out the nuke part. And that's that's knowing full well that we, that the United States had the capability to make more to nukes. More, yeah. Eventually, you know, like if if that if like they shot the two and there's that's all there is, like eh, let's just stick with the coal. Let's just lob hunks of coal at the aliens. <laughs> uh, Cassie W, final email of the day. I finally discovered your the YouTube videos of the DVD extras produced by HBO on the Game of Thrones lore, which is the best part of the DVDs and Blu-rays. By the way, they have these really lovingly illustrated charcoal pencil art as. Characters from the show narrate the histories and backstories of all these houses, and it's 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 pretty good. When watching one for season two, I noted the one about the curse of Harrenhal. It's narrated by Catelyn Stark, and she says something to the effect of, everyone who rules Harrenhal thinks they will escape the curse, but their lines have all been ended. I knew about the curse of death, but the entire line ending was a new one to me. Hmm. As far as I can remember, the show has been ruled by Tywin Lannister, Roose Bolton, Robb Stark, and Littlefinger. Rob's line ended when he is killed along with his unborn child at the Red Wedding. Roos's line ended when he is killed along with Ramsay and his newborn ba- baby boy. And now Littlefinger's line has been ended, which leaves Tywin. I think we all expect that Jaime and Cersei will die before producing more offspring, but what does this curse mean for Tyrion? I can't remember if Tywin holds Hall in the books, but either way, this was content created for the show. Uh, well, he doesn't hold Hall. I don't. Maybe he does chase Roos out at the end, but does he hold it? Mm. And I don't. I mean, okay. So she she wants to know if this is a sign of impending doom for Tyrion. And my thought is, no. It's entirely too fuzzy the concept of who holds it and 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 all that. It's like there's a bunch of debates, and it's all very Nostradamusy. <laughs> um, and also, I don't know that the double like. And if they do. 
if 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 it turns out that like Jamie and Tyrion both die, I'm pretty sure it won't be because the double D's want to pay off this prophecy thing. It's more that's just what makes sense character. What do you think, man? Uh that's a tough one. I I don't I don't really know the definition of hold. Like, is that what Tywin is doing right now in the show? Holding Harrenhal? Well, it's promised a little finger right now. So okay. who that's what I'm, that's what that's what I exactly like, what I was that getting mean, around. Do, like if you Does that mean sitting down in a chair in Harrenhal? Yeah, if you're squatting we're gonna there, rest let's, let's say a bandit while yeah. Harrenhal was abandoned. Let's say that he just spends the night there. Does right. does he die, does does he hold did he hold Winterfell? Like Tywin is essentially squatting there and using it as a garrison, but it belongs to Littlefinger technically. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so who? Though he doesn't want who it. actually holds it. Um, I don't. I don't know. And I also think that at this point it has very little predictive power because there's lots of good reasons. There's lots of good plot and character based uh, reasons for Tyrion and Jaime to die, and for the entire Lannister. Honestly, for the entire Lannister line to be wiped out. Um, no, nah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to see Jaime and, and, and Tyrion die, but. No, I, I would rather not um, have them die. But I, I don't know. I put very little faith, I guess, in those kind of stories and myths um, from right. the show. But I guess I, I'm putting more and more faith in them as I see, like, the stuff that Bran was told coming true. And, right. Like, a, a lot of the old stories, um, you know, about the White Walkers themselves, right? right. They're They're part of the mythos. But I... And if you go, I don't know, some it, of these I just don't lend much credence to as far as the story goes. The other thing is, like, does it count if, like, I, I, one of my fan fictions I wrote is that Cersei has this baby. Maybe it's the, maybe it's Euron's baby. Maybe it's Jamie's baby. Um, yeah. but it is going to be raised as Jon Snow and Danny's own. Mm-hmm. Does that, does that continue their line technically? Because they're not going to have the last name and no one will know it's true. Right. Is Rhaegar's line still intact? Right, like like it's it's like if if the heir never finds out his true last name, if the if the tree falls in the forest and no one's here, to, there to hear it doesn't make a sound. A lot mm. of these things are philosophical, honestly. And I I'm more interested, as I said, in in the prophecies, uh, predictive predictive hmm. abilities. And I feel like there's a lot more prophecies with predictive abil- predictive powers uh, as it applies to Jamie and Tyrion than this this throwaway line about Harrenhal. Sure. Which is also none of that shit's super non-canonical. It's not like this this is this is an actor reading narration by the HBO's marketing team that I'm sure was like, you know, ran by Martin or the Double D's at some point, but it's not it's not the books or the show. Yeah. It's a fucking bonus feature on a DVD. Mhm. Which is not to say it's wrong, you know what I'm saying? So sure, uh, that's way too much probably to to spend on that issue. But that's that's how I feel about it. Um, that's it. Game okay. of Thrones at baldmove.com. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, there's also always discussions going on on our forums, forums.baldmove.com, and you can follow us along at all the social medias. Um, just put in there's a prize search box on the social media. You can put in bald move, and boom, we're right there. Yeah, I think I think. As of 2017, all of the social medias have search boxes. I think so. so. Yeah. They, they finally pioneered the search box. They did. Technology. So, yeah, just search ball move on there. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's it. We're going to be back next week for episode six. We're halfway through the season. Yeah, we're on the point. downhill part. Yep. Uh, should be a fun ride. We will see you guys next week. See ya. <laughs>